what's up with the uh i know we kind of got off track what's up with the beer stuff it's um 95 is Michelob Ultra. Is this the lightest calorie beer, or do they have a... It's not really a statistic I keep track of, but Hmm. I would imagine it is one of them. Yeah. I feel like all the American light beers pretty much taste the same. Yeah. Subtly different. Yeah, I'm not a fan in the long run of a light beer. Like, it's nice to just have a eh, little light beer here, but my my best beer ever in my life was coming back from Iraq. We landed in, it's not, yeah. It's not. I don't, I know part of it was coming back, but it's also that. <laughs> I think it's because you're coming back from a <laughs> desert. <laughs> a dry, hot desert with very little water. Yeah. No, we had water. We were gives you the runs. drinking a lot. Of, no, we had uh, bottled water. And they gave you the runs. Yeah. I knew of that story. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is a story I got to tell. Um, but the, okay, so we land in the, the terminal in Ireland. And it's like 2 or 3 in the morning, okay. and there's nobody there. It's completely empty. They they blocked it out because we all have weapons and stuff. They're not going to let civilians into the... Are you flying into a, a, like a traditional civilian airport? Yeah. With yeah. all your weapons? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's completely... But it's it's a civilian airport, but it's... Because um, uh, I don't think we have any um, American military bases in Ireland, Right, no Air Force bases or anything, but for some reason yeah. we landed there. Okay. So we landed in the terminal. Um, they let us out for like an hour and a half or something, have a little break because we've been in the plane forever, and it's like super loaded down. So we have to stop every like thousand miles or something like that. And um, so we're hanging out, and we're like, it's empty. Everything's shut down. And then this, I, I feel like it was a what are those John Woo movies where the um, the door opens and the doves. Um, and the doves come flying out or whatever. Oh, like yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like the door opens and doves beer come falls fl- out. Beer, <laughs> yeah, beer comes flying out on wings. No, but it, it was like one of those things where there's like light in the backdrop and stuff. And yeah. the guy comes out with the cart and he had the little Irish hat on. Oh, legitimate we, with a beer cart. Oh, it's a legit oh. beer cart. Yeah. <laughs> so he legit comes out with the beer cart and yeah. he goes, oh, you chaps care for a pint? And I was like, yes, like this is the best. And <laughs> so yes. everybody welcome. lines up. And I mean, these are like legit. I mean, these are massive glasses, man. I mean, they're like super tall, and so, um, and so uh, I had two of them, and you know, first first time having alcohol, you know the effects when you're on an airplane. And oh you yeah, have alcohol, alcohol like, is magnified. Am, oh my god! And so I had two of these giant, dark ass, thick, creamy Guinnesses from Ireland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, God, it tasted so thick and delicious and creamy. And so that's what she said. Yeah, that's right. And so I had two, I had two of them, everybody on the plane, not a soul was awake (laughs) the entire flight from Ireland all the way to Maine. We landed in Maine and the the entire flight, no one was awake. We passed out drunk. Was this a beer cart? Like were the, was it a can or they just had a friggin' like keg in there and had Guinness on tap? It was, he had kegs, he had kegs of this Guinness on tap. And he just was he was coming out of the draft or whatever, right? That's into legit. The, into the glasses. Oh, yeah. my God. Literally a pint of beer. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that was, for me, that's like such a special story because it's like coming back from deployment, having a delicious beer. I'd never had dark beer like that before. Really? Never from like a European country, okay. never from like dark, thick. I've, Guinness from over there hits different from here. Oh, yeah. So I hear at least. Oh, it like, does. It's good here. Like if you go to like the Londoner or some Irish pub. It's it's completely different when it's draft. Like they've got the nitrogenated cans and bottles, but it's nothing similar. Oh yeah. And I heard that Guinness in 
the UK is much different and so much better than the stuff we get here. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, well, you know, you don't export your best stuff. You export the decent stuff. And uh, <laughs> I have a story about beer, too. So I think I may have told you this before. Probably so. But uh, we had gone out to a friend's wedding in Golden, Colorado, because he went to Colorado School of Mines, became a geologist and geophysicist and all that stuff, right? So it's me and my buddy, uh, actually a couple of friends. Uh, one of them has a wife. Jason's wife and another friend from high school. And so, hold on. I need to ed- edit this story somewhat. <laughs> okay. So, long story short, my buddy OJ, right? Up throughout college slash slightly after college, I would always be like the mom and remind OJ, oh, hey, you know, we got this, go to sleep early, blah, 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 right? Trying to be the responsible one. And, um, you know, we had been out of college. I'm like, dude, we're adults. We we can take care of our own schedule, be responsible for ourselves. So the previous night before we fly out, because the wedding, I think, was on a Saturday, and we had like an early morning flight out to Colorado. So uh, obviously you gain an hour when when you go back, back to Colorado from Texas. And so early morning flight, Friday we had been going out, to a few bars or something like that and we went back to the apartment uh, and this was OJ's apartment OJ used to live with Hunter and Warren and so I, I think it was probably around 10 30 11 o'clock at night I'm like all right retiring heading home we got an early morning flight that's at like five or four five or six o'clock in the morning OJ <laughs> go to sleep I'm not gonna call you in the morning to wake you up you're 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 adult. and as I'm leaving I see him getting ready, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I, I've got some other friends that are at the bar down the street. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go for, like, a drink. Uh, I, I know I, I, you know, we've got an early morning flight. I got my alarm set. Great. Really? You, you're going to go out to the bar? All right. All right. Again, I'm not going to call you to remind you. Yeah, yeah, I'll see you at the airport, you know, early, early in the morning. So... Fast forward next morning, wake up, look at my phone. I'm like, should I? I'm kind of tempted to call him just to check to see if he's awake or whatever, right? I was like, no, no. I, I told him. He, he assured me everything was going to be kosher. Get to the airport, see my buddy Jason, his wife Meredith there. Oh, there comes Tom, another high school buddy. We all check in. We're sitting there, standing there, waiting waiting huh it's getting closer and closer to boarding time and we haven't gone through security because we were waiting for oj should we call him no no he he said he, he he'll be on his way we'll, we'll just wait a couple more minutes well man the security is decently long even though for uh, an early morning flight let's just go ahead and go through security maybe he's he's at the gate or whatever right so we text him, no response. Go through security, get to the, the gate. S- still no sign of OJ. Hmm. Okay, now it's boarding. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? Let, he hasn't responded to text messages. Let me call him. Ring, ring, ring. Hello? Shut your face. <laughs> Damn it. Shut it. You're walking through security. He's like, 
No, I just woke up. What? You're, you're, you're come, fuck off. You're, you're kidding me. Kidding with me, right? I mean, like, there's no way. Yeah, I stayed out a little late. I slept through my alarm. Shit. I'm like, dude, we're boarding right now. You're, you're in Uptown. That's like a 20, 25 minute drive at least. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I was like, get your ass to the airport, take the next flight, because, you know, it's a same-day flight. Our friend's getting married that same day. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to make it. It's like, okay. So the four of us, you know, me, Jason, Meredith, Tom, we landed in Colorado, check into our hotel, get situated. Oh, just like, hey, guys, I got, I got to the airport. Uh, they got me on the next flight out. I'll be landing there, you know, soon, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. We had rented a car, by the way, uh, to go from the airport to, to our hotel and drive to the wedding. Uh, I was doing the driving. And so he gets on the next flight, and it's cutting it close, man. Like, I don't remember what time the wedding was, but say the wedding was at, like, 1 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. He's landing at, like, 12. And it takes maybe about 45 minutes. Yeah. Half an hour, 45 minutes, really, it should, to get to the venue from the airport. So let's see. It's me and Jason. We we go to pick up OJ. Meredith goes with Tom, goes to the wedding venue first, right? We drop him off. And we get to the airport. OJ hits the ground running. He sprints in the car. He's like, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, got my bags. Uh, didn't check anything and just carry on. Boom. Get in the car. We race. We're, we're hauling ass to, to the venue. Now, quick side note. For some reason, California used to make fun of Texas because next to our highways, we have streets running parallel, and we call them service roads. You've experienced this, right? Yeah. So, hey, you know, Dallas North Tollway, completely gridlocked. It's not moving. It's a parking lot. Mm-hmm. You have places to go. Take the next exit. Exit, take an alternative route. Sure. Take the, the the service road and go the same direction or find somewhere else. Well, California, I guess, is of a different mindset where you just have long-ass highways. And if you're going in a direction, that's your only best bet. Maybe there's another highway further down that you can go, but there's no way to get off once you're on. You're screwed. Colorado is the similar in this area at least. So we get onto the highway. We're blazing down the, the road. Well, let me see. I don't think I had an iPhone back then. So our uh, GPS was a GPS that's in the car, like one of those Garmin type of things, right? And it's kind of lagging. Miss your turn. Rerouting. This is the longest run-on story about beer that has nothing to do with beer. Sorry. Yeah, FYI. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> let, let, let me get to the point. I was really hoping. I'm like, he's going to bring up beer at okay, some point. Th- there will be beer. <laughs> I, I'll get to the point eventually. But it is kind of a funny buildup as to why the, right. the beer. So let me cut that part shorter. Today. So we blaze past our exit. We miss our exit like three times. And each time you miss your exit, it's long ass, like two, three, four miles down the road before our next exit, you can hook a Yui, right? Yeah. And we only had 15 minutes to spare. I'm like, shit, you know, I missed it again. That was my fault. GPS wasn't updating. It was some obscure exit. So I just cut down the grass in the median in between in the highways. I was like, oh, fuck it. So we get there. 
California Highway Patrol, we found the guy. Right, the right, guy. right. Luckily, it wasn't California. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you said it was California. No, no. I, California was similar to Colorado. Oh, it's just a long it. stretch. Right. No service roads, no way. All right, Colorado yeah. Highway Patrol, we got your guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a statue of limitations. <laughs> nope, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> so we pull up to the, the, the wedding venue. Granted, it was only 10 minutes late, right? Yeah. They're walking out. Everybody from the wedding. Walking out? Walking out. From the, like it's yeah. over? Like was, the, yep. <laughs> and Jason's wife is like, you assholes, you missed it. I'm like, how, how, like, wow, I'm impressed. They're super punctual, by the way, because it was supposed to start at, say, 1 o'clock. Yeah. We get there at 110. Usually, most weddings is like, first 5, 10 minutes, people are just getting situated, then it's kind of a, no, they were on point. And oh, so, man. she's like, you assholes, just come back to the, the hotel, you know, we'll, or no, uh, come back to the the hotel, we'll, we'll go to the reception, whatever, right? So we're like, well, we already messed up for the uh, uh, ceremony. We're going to get early to the reception. So we go straight there. No one's there. And we call us like, where's everyone for the reception? It's not until the evening. Okay. Huh. Well, we're in Golden, Colorado. <laughs> Let's go hit up a, a bar. <laughs> Here we go. So Meredith had gone back with Tom. Uh, preemptively, because we, we didn't have in a separate car, because with OJ and all the luggage, we didn't have room for them. For Bro, whatever. get to the beer. I'm getting to it. <laughs> Jesus. So she goes to the hotel with, with Tom, and we decide to pull over at a pub. Okay. Here's the beer. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Finally! <laughs> there's a reason for this. All right. All why, right. why I had to give that price. Right. So keep in mind, in this entire time, Meredith's you me because she has to be there by herself without her husband and we miss the wedding. She's pissed off, right? Yeah. And so we're like, well, we've got a few hours. Let's go to the, the, the bar and drink some beers, right? Yeah. The bar is like two minute walk from the hotel. So we sit down. We're like, hey, bartender, what's uh, what's a good beer to have? You know, we're not in Golden often or really ever. There has to be some something local that's the good stuff, right? He's like, actually, Coors makes this specific type of beer. Don't remember what it's called, but it's not even sold outside of Golden, Colorado. Hmm. It's only sold exclusively here. And it's some ultra premium, like delicious stuff, right? So we're like, oh, hell yeah. Let's get three pints of that. You don't remember what it's called? Or not at all. He doesn't, okay. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where like, if you have some beers from from Europe, they have like a three-stage pour or something like that or a multi-stage pour. Hmm. Yeah. Where, excuse me, where you pour a little bit, then you kind of let the foam settle and everything, and you pour a little bit. This was a 10-minute pour. Jesus. Okay? So, and, and it's from tap. So he's like, and then it just like settles. Was it a nitro? Was it a it's nitro? It's not tap? a nitro beer. Because no, that it, takes a long it's not. It, it wasn't a nitro. Okay. But it had a, a thick foam almost as if it could be. Because nitro beer has it, the 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 carbonation is is very subtle. Mm -hmm. This was more carbonated than that, and so you know he's pouring it, and he's like, you see it slowly go up, and we're like, this is gonna be good, right? I mean, for a ten minute pour, it better well, damn well be good. And so finally, you know, he brings in the golden lager, and it's like, oh, it looks beautiful. We smell it; smells amazing. You can smell the hops, the grain, so fragrant. Coors Light, or not Coors Light. Coors produced uh -huh. product. We take a sip. I'm like, oh. all worries just go away. It's delicious. Is that it's good, huh? Crisp. It's refreshing, flavorful, and we're like, this is amazing. 
Jason gets a text message. Jason, where are you? We're back at that hotel. You need to come back now. His wife, Meredith. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we're on the way. We're on the way. Two minutes later. I'm not kidding, Jason. Get your asses back here now. <laughs> Y'all left me alone, and you already missed the uh, the ceremony. Get back to the hotel now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. No. You're sitting we're, at the, we're, sitting we're at the, we're at the bar. You just got us. your bar. <laughs> yeah, we, we just got this 10-minute pour. We're enjoying our beer. Oh, jeez. 30, you know, 30 seconds a minute later. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Get back here now. So OJ, Jason, and I look at each other. We only had like a couple sips, right? So a pint. Delicious. I'm like, well, chug? I'm like, all right. Down it. Boom. A couple seconds. Gone. Bartender turns around. Gives us the most bewildered look. She's like, <laughs> almost like a look of betrayal. It's like, this isn't something you chug like. Yeah, Nicolob Ultra, Coors Light, right? Yeah. You're not shotgunning this 10 minute pour of beer. He's like, with, with, with pain is in his voice. He's like, do you do you want another? I'm like, no. His his wife is uh, uh, calling us back, and so that was that was a delicious beer. Probably one of the best beers that I've had that I had to chug. So that was ah, cool. so Jesus, man. So you we didn't we we arrive at finally arriving at this. Best beer story yeah. where you, all you did was chug it. You didn't yeah. get to enjoy it. it. Yeah, it, we had to chug it because, you know, Meredith was with one of our other friends and um, she wasn't happy that we missed the ceremony and, and left her alone. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> had to d- chug. Oh, I felt so bad because it was a 10 minute pour. This bartender like put his full effort in making it absolutely wonderful. And yeah, we chugged it. Yes. Kind of uh, unfortunate, and since then I've never had it before. Uh, had never had it again. What do you like in? Uh, where have you been in Colorado that you like to go? Well, um, I mean Colorado. I've been all to the major areas. You know where I go every year. But um, you know, when we were kids, my first time skiing was in Keystone. That was really cool because we went with a family friend. We road trip from Dallas, and I remember. Uh, is the mountain called Keystone or is the city called Keystone or wh- whatever? We were at Keystone. Yeah. And I remember they had nighttime skiing, which oh, yeah. is super cool. Um, and then when we were older, I think in middle school, maybe high school, we went to Vail Beaver Creek, super touristy. Back then it was it was not as populated. So mm-hmm. still busy, but not crazy like today. Um, and then more recently as an adult postgraduate and everything, um, We've been going to Pagosa Springs every year. Okay. I haven't been there. Yeah. Uh, I like, um, I did this summer I just did um, a few places, but we stopped in Breckenridge in the summer, and they have uh, like a roller coaster. It goes all, all like all around the mountain. Is it like on the ski slopes? Like they, yeah. They take it out when it's no. ski season or it stays No, there? nothing like that. So it's, it's off to the side. So it's not a dedicated like slope. It's just huh. off to the side, but... It's like a legit roller coaster. Like you, it cranks you all the way up to the top, yeah. and then it, it lets you go. The difference is that it's a one man luge, basically. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've seen those before. Yeah, and then it's like you have a brake handle on it, and I'm like, what the fuck is it? I'm not gonna brake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to go slow on this thing. And so, you just push that lever down all the way so that it breaks completely yeah. off, and then you just haul ass down the mountain, and it whips you around. And those are super cool. Place. Yeah. 
Um, JMO, uh, he went on a Euro trip, backpacking trip through Europe. I think this is either in college or right after college, probably during college. And one of his buddies in Eastern Europe, they, they went on one of those similar one-man luge type of things, right? Yeah. And he's like, same same thing. Oh, I, I'm not going to use the, the brake. The brakes are for pussies, you know, whatever. I'm a guy. Watch it, right? It's there for good reason in, in Europe because it's not as necessarily safe as the U.S., right? And <laughs> they're going down, zipping down the, the, the mountain, and he sees his friend, like, hit this tight curve. And just flies off the luge. <laughs> and just like tumbles down the side. Like the whole car flies off? No, he, he flies he, off he the does. cart. Yeah. Oh, shit. Because the G's were so significant that he oh, just, damn. just flies off. Yeah, that doesn't meet any kind of safety standard nah, anywhere. Nah. <laughs> They're like, there's a break there for a reason. <laughs> Jeez. So. Yeah, if you don't use the brake, then I guess you are going flying. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. the ones in the U.S., it should be fine, right? Yeah. I mean, I I, I had the brake off the entire time. Yeah. And it it hauled ass for sure, but it wasn't at any point in time. I didn't feel like it was gonna like throw me out of the out of the car or anything. Plus, you're buckled in. It's got the roller coaster like uh, okay. thing the that comes down. Yeah, you're tied yeah. in. I mean, you're not going yeah. anywhere. So no, this there's and, and I've seen videos of this too. You leg- legitimately just sit in the cart, nothing strapping you, and you're just there. <laughs> <laughs> you're exposed. Oh, you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, R- ride at your own risk, I guess. That, oh. So that was in Breck. Yeah, that was that was Breckenridge, okay. uh, the yeah Breckenridge Resort, dude. I gotta say, out of the whole experience at Breckenridge, it was really frustrating just parking, because I got the van, and and I'm driving, and I, I'm with Olivia, and we're driving for thirty minutes around everywhere around the ski resort. There was nowhere for a van to park. Really? They have a parking garage that. An actual garage, okay. Well, like, it's an actual garage, but yeah. there's nowhere for a van. Like, it's the low clearance. So, uh, like, a, a van with an air conditioner and the, yeah, the it's fan. Not gonna get it there. can't, even without it, it still wouldn't have fit. It's too tall. It's yeah. like, I think it's um, nine feet standard. And, and it's like those, oh, hey, clearance seven foot one or six foot yeah. nine type of things. Yeah, yeah. It was, okay. I think it was seven or eight feet. But the okay. van, but the van natively is nine feet. And then yeah. you add the air conditioner, and that's a, that's 10 feet, basically. Yeah. So, um, they had the rooftop one, which w- this is the part that upset me. Is they have the rooftop parking thing for the garage, so you can drive up to that roof thing. They had a low clearance thing for that, so I d- we drove around for a half hour What's trying the to park. What's the premise of that? Doesn't make sense, no. Because it's open air, right? Yeah. So exactly. it's like, oh, hey, you might hit nothing else besides this one sign. Right. Exactly. the The only thing to hit is the low clearance sign, and they but <laughs> it, it, it prevents you. So I drove around. I called the the Breckenridge Ski Resort. And I talked to the thing. It's a call center in some other country. <laughs> and I asked them, where can I park with a tall vehicle? Yeah. And they're like, let me put you on hold, sir. And they put me on hold forever. And they uh, they get back on. And um, they're like, there's a thing down this highway. And it's like a, what they describe. Yeah. I looked at it. On, it was like a 20-minute drive. And I'm like, how am I going to walk from that thing to the re- to the resort or to the, to the ski lift? And so yeah. I was like. So I, um, ultimately, I parked in a a, fi- a five minute parking, like a loading zone thing. Did you get a ticket? No, I didn't. We were there. We were there for like three hours, but there was nowhere to park. Huh. I dro- we drove around looking forever. There was yeah. nowhere to park. I asked the valet people. They're like, "We don't park vans or anything." I'm like, "Well, where can I park, guys? <laughs> or a, a, a dock, uh, a loading thing, a truck thing? Like, there's nowhere that I could park." That's super surprising because yeah. 
Colorado is typically that's like it. camper friendly, that's super you outdoor, would think. crunchy. Yeah. And actually, like in Pagosa Springs, where we go uh, skiing every year, well, we used to go skiing every year, um, the mountain's called Wolf Creek. And they're, they've got a huge, like multi tiered parking lot, and it's all open air. So you get big vans, buses, whatever, no problem. So it, it blows my mind that a place like Breckenridge would not have van-friendly parking. There was a lot off to the side, um, maybe a few hundred yards away from the from the thing, and it had open-air spots, like ground level, but it said, um, like, no parking for Breckenridge, only for this these residents or something. So oh it was like gosh. somebody lived in some yeah. condos or something, and that's I was like, I don't want to mess with that because you, you park in someone's yeah, spot. Yeah, you'll get they, towed or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That's so I was like, I don't want to mess with that. So. Yeah. Anyway, that was the only downside. Everything else was a good time. Um, what I like is those old ski towns in Colorado. Yeah, like, that, that's essentially um, what Pagosa is like. Man. W- yeah, well, what I'm thinking is like, um, like old, I, I'm sorry, not ski towns, um, old mining towns, like okay. old Colorado mining towns. Yeah. So uh, Minturn, if you go over there. Uh, M-I-N-T-E-R-N? M-I-N-T-U-R-N. Okay. Yeah, so Minturn is a... Um, old mining town and uh and it's the kind of thing where there's like a little uh it's along this little highway there's a uh, massive okay. bridge that go you go over and you can see this massive gorge below you and you drive over this bridge and you go up into the mountains and it's like much higher the veil i think it veil is like i want to say eight thousand feet nine thousand minturns like okay. almost eleven thousand feet and um and you're up there and um it's like the old lodge they've got the uh the restaurant with the the guy and the guitar and he's like put your little hand in mine right of that and he's got the tip jar <laughs> and it's just like this old kind of crunchy thing and uh super vibey yeah but you look at the the property prices i was like dude i could totally live in a town like this this is like the the best place to live and uh then i look at property prices and like <laughs> Is it really a, that a small two bedroom house was like a million bucks? <laughs> you guys are out of your mind. I'm looking. It's super quaint. Yeah, um, it's awesome, dude. The climbing there, the climbing there is really good too. It's amazing rock. Kind of like that. Here, let me see this. Let me see. So, when you were in Colorado, did yeah, you go? on I the, don't know if off that picture, but yeah, yeah. it's Minturns. Minturns is something like spot. that. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever go by the uh, million dollar highway? No, what's what's the I think where, is what that in Colorado? Called. It's in Colorado. Yeah, what did they? It cost them a million, cost them a million bucks to build it. I think it was something like it's a like million dollar view. Um, I think so. Uh, so we, it's it just got like super scenic. Oh yeah, <laughs> it costs a million dollars a mile to build. The road winds and clings to the mountain, providing dramatic view at every turn. Part of the San Juan Skyway, Colorado Scenic Byway. Is that a lot for a highway? A million bucks a mile? I don't know what it costs to build a road. It sounds like a lot. Yeah, well, I don't... But it's uh, like built into the side of the mountain. Yeah. So I think pretty much all of it is just two-lane highway. Oh, like one one lane going one way? way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One lane each way. Yeah, that sucks. And a lot of it is... uh, What what do you call it? There's no... Guardrails, oh, off the edge of the yeah, the cliff. Yeah, there's no room. There's no emergency lane. Mm-hmm. Like the outer lane, <laughs> which is going away from the city, from from whatever town is like Ray or something like that. 
uh, probably mistaken, whatever the town was, right? So, yeah, it, you're just completely exposed. So if you're on, like, in your van, you f- you would feel like you're going to fall into the, the gorge and down the uh, Just lean into the other lane, right? Man, like no, <laughs> but, but there's people going both ways. Yeah. And so we had driven from Durango up there just to do a day trip. It took few hours right and um we drove it and on the way down you know towards this little village whatever it was called um we were on the mountainside so we're inside now keep in mind this is like during a a ski trip right so there's some treachery to the roads there there's a little bit of ice a little a little bit of snow um but it was during the daytime that we left so no worries we get down to the town we explore it's beautiful like so be- I, I think you'd love it. Mm. So next time you do what's a road the, trip. What's the name of the town again? I don't, I have to look what the, it, it's between Ore and Silverton. Oh, okay. Um, I've been to Silverton. But I'm pretty like, sure. I know the name of the, that rings a bell. The little town that we ended up was very similar to the town that you were describing. The uh, Yeah, Minturn's awesome Minturn. because it was a mining town. They're not mining there anymore because they tapped dry. And yeah. then... Um, not dry, but you know, there's no yeah. more stuff to mine gold or whatever. Yeah. And so um, now it's just like a ski rock climbing town. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, the rock up there is pretty nice. What is it? Is it like granite or? Um, yeah, granite's common, okay. um, but it's like um, schist, 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 whatever that's called, um, something like that. And it's like a granite composite. So you've got granite mixed with <clears throat> like quartzite. Okay. And a bunch of other random bites and different okay. things. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good mix because granite by itself is a little sketchy. Sketchy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially when it gets glassed over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> just looking at your dog yeah. over here, <laughs> he's, he's just like, like, "Hey, um, I'm I'm done visiting Paul. Uh, yeah, what's up?" He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm ready to go home now. Like, yeah. this, this is it. <laughs> this is nice. He usually uh, looks at me to go to bed around 9 o'clock or so. so it's, oh, really? Yeah. It's not quite. Hey, Chester, it's not time yet. Go lay down. <laughs> Look at his face. Yeah, yeah man. I, I love Colorado. It would be... Uh, it'd be awesome to live over there for a bit just to... I did the, I did the airport thing. Remember, I was doing the consulting traveling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The consulting Monday through Thursday type of travel. Yeah. Schedule, right. So I'd land, I'd land Thursday night at, in Denver International, and then um, hop in the van, and then just go chill somewhere. But I didn't, I didn't give it enough of a chance to like drive around because really from Thursday night to uh, Sunday afternoon. I guess you could you could get some cycles in on stuff, but I just didn't get do enough because it was I was win- exhausting. Well, I was wintering there, so there's no. Yeah. I, I should have done it like in a May, April, or a May June kind of time frame, but yeah. I was there in like the December, so I'm just in my van like, what is that called? It's uh, jackhammering. Like yeah, I'm just jackhammering in my bed. Like oh, like your whole like, who are you jackhammering <laughs> in your bed? <laughs> No, it's no, a no. completely different thing. No, well, I yeah, you don't. <laughs> no girl is, is going to want to do anything in a van in the middle of the winter if you don't have heat. Only create the heat. 
No, dude, it was fucking cold. <laughs> it okay. was ice cold, so yeah. bad time for me to do it. But it was still cool because I drove around in the canyons, like Clear Creek Canyon's really pretty. Yeah. At, at um, even in the winter, just to, so I touched a little bit of rock there, but um, that was fun. That was cool to just like check it out. But I want to be there. I love being there in the summer. That's why I, I go visit Dave. Yeah. Because um, he's got his cabin, and um, I was there with Olivia this last time. But next time I want to go and get a um, get a hunting tag. Cause he's he's hunting, man. He's hunting. He just got he got a bear. He just got like a few three hundred pound bear or something. Uh, I'm not I'm not as big into that kind of stuff. Hunting, hunting, or especially like bears, wolves, hmm. the, especially big game hunting, like over in Africa. I'm not into that at all. Yeah, I'm not looking to like shoot something just to shoot it. I want to eat. Like I want to take the meat back home and. Um, and have like a, a deep freezer or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's problematic to cross, you know, from Colorado back to Texas with a hundred pounds of meat. But I mean, I've got the, I've got the van. I can put a, um, like a deep freezer in there and then that'll last 12 hours. Well, they're, they're, um, companies typically, if you're, you're going hunting, you're, you're not going to process the meat yourself. And so there are some companies that will ship your stuff. Oh, but then I got to pay them for shipping, yeah. and I'm already down there with the van anyway, so yeah. I might as well just get a bunch of dry ice or a I deep mean, an freezer. An entire or bear's worth of meat is a lot of fucking meat, dude. <laughs> an, entire, an entire bear's worth of meat. I mean, meat. You're, you're not getting the organs. I guess with the intestines, you make sausage or some bear sausage, but oh, dude, I'll keep the organs, man. I want the the rich uh, nutrients from the from the organs. Make like a stew. Get some bone. Get some bones in there. Get a make a bone broth. That'd be good. A bear, but there's... Nah, I probably wouldn't do bear, but uh, elk. Primal. Like elk. Uh... Have you had elk before? Yeah, I love elk. Really? I've only had elk jerky. One of my buddies gave me some elk because he's a big hunter too. And man, that stuff is gamey. It is, but it's you, you adapt to it. Like, have you? Do you eat bison or buffalo? Yeah, buffison, that... whatever it's called. Buff, buffison, <laughs> puffin, <laughs> buffison. Um, bison. Yeah, I, I've had bison. And yeah, so bison's bison's more gamey than beef, like cow. Yeah, right? but it's not. It's not. It's not like what I don't, I don't know how to describe the gaminess of elk because it's different from venison. It's different from bison, yeah. buffalo. What's that? What's the stuff that I feed Chester? Well, I like venison. Venison's less um, less dense, I think, than elk. Elk is dense, man. I mean, it's like. Did you have it as a loin or did you have it as a jerky? No, like a steak, like a like like an elk steak. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I've had it in a few different ways. Yeah, I've held ha- had elk jerky, elk steak, um, and then elk. Um, well, basically, steak is just cubed, like in like a paleo dish, like in veggies and stuff, like chopped up. That's good. I haven't had it a lot, so I'm not I'm not saying like I'm a pro at the elk stuff. Um, was it like something that you went to this? You know. Snap kitchen type of place where they had it already prepared, or is it like someone you knew went hunting and gave you elk meat? Both. Okay. Um, right over here, there used to be the J Two Steakhouse, and I'm super bummed they closed it down because during COVID they closed down and reopened as their lower tier restaurant, like the the franchise, the yeah. restaurant uh, okay. chain or whatever. They they opened their lower tier version. 
Um, so they don't. They got rid of the elk off the menu, but they had an elk steak on the menu, and that shit was delicious. Oh, okay, so interesting. There was that, and then I've had, um, I want to say Dave, but maybe someone else. But oh, I've, I've had someone give me elk before, and I was like, okay, this is this is it. But okay. I, you can't find it. It's hard to find in DFW because there's no elk around here, and and, <laughs> yeah, and then it's kind of like thirty dollars a pound or something. So. Um, but I, I like, um, if you want to transition, an easy transition is start with all grass-fed beef. Which that's, is, that's fine. I, I love that. So that's a little more gamey than just grain-fed beef. And then you go to buffalo, and then you start. Now, when you eat an elk or a, a deer, it's not as gamey because so, you're kind of adapted to it. I mean, I'm fine with certain gamey stuff. Like, I love lamb. I love goat. The gaminess of that stuff, it's awesome. Um, grass-fed beef, I'm actually surprised that you like it because... Grass-fed beef almost has a dry-aged steak type of flavor, which is hmm. kind of blue cheesy. Which I know you don't. You're not. Nope. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> you don't. You don't do that. I just said someone says blue cheese and yeah. Uh, but that, that like grass-fed beef, 100% grass-fed beef tastes like it's it's aged beef, which is has those notes of blue cheese. I don't get that. That's not the that's not the you flavor I get. No, not at all. 100% get that. I get a I get a clean, delicious tasting yeah. meat flavor. Like it's perfect especially if you don't overcook it um it's really fragile it's it's much more fragile than grain-fed beef so you have to cook it for like a fraction of the time have you had goat milk yeah do you like it nah it freaks me out no i can't yeah no nothing i well i can't even do milk at all now i mean my after europe this year I, i can't do dairy in general but um, like switching back to from the European, you know this from the European to the American enzyme in the dairy. Yeah, it's yeah. like screwed me up. But you mentioned like eating goat. Um, I've eaten one really good goat meal in Cuba. It was amazing. Goat curry. Oh well, no, it wasn't curry. No? Oh no, no that's Bahamas. Or yeah. Jamaica, Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, they did like they like the curry over there in yeah. Jamaica and like Trinidad and all that. But yeah. um, it was no, it was just a goat meal with a bunch of veggies and a bunch of stuff. It was goat delicious. meal. A goat meal. Goat meal. Like. Oatmeal, but oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't know what the reference was. I was like, "What does that mean?" Yeah. Um, but I don't. I typically I don't like goat. I don't like um, lamb because that tastes kind of gamey and and weird to me. Really? Like, nope, I don't like it. You you like elk, but you don't like lamb, dude. Elk tastes so much fucking better than Hell lamb. Hell, that no. Yeah, <laughs> lamb is legit. Um, we've had it so much during hot pot, dude. Have we? Usually, that's all I order. In hot pot, it's no. I thought we always do like a seafood, like in the hot pot. No, <laughs> that's it. Just no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no response. Just yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, we, we have seafood, but it's there's like the sliced meat that I usually have is is lamb. Mm. I mean, we also get beef, but the lamb is awesome. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on the application. <laughs> yeah. Um, generally, I'm not a big lamb fan. Okay. Lamb is in euro meat, right? Is that the euro? What do you mean, euro? Euro, gyros? Oh, oh, euro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Euro, euro. Yeah, that's they, how you it, say it, right? I think they've got lamb, and then they also have beef. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. It's a lamb, lamb. It's a lamb beef mix. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. Um, I like it like that. That's yeah. um, that that's okay. But lamb by itself is nah. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. It's not my jam. But like a. Yeah, it just depends, man. Lamb with some hummus and some other stuff. I can yeah. I can deal with it. It's cool, but I'm not looking for it. I'm not going shopping for it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, one, one of my buddies, he would he's Lebanese. Uh-huh. I don't think he met him. But he would make the best kibanaya. 
it's like this Lebanese ground um, ground lamb dish, and then they put some sort of spice and bulgur wheat in there, paprika, olive oil. So good. And then there's another version of it that doesn't have the bulgur wheat. It just has like the spices and salt, pepper, um, olive oil. Does he need to go out? I'm wondering that. So is there a way that we can like Yeah, we can this? pause. Yeah, let's, yeah let's we can pause definitely pause. For a second, so I'm going to hit um, stop. He, he went out earlier, didn't he? No, I just took Anna because she's the one that is more likely to pee inside. All right. All right, we'll pause. We'll come back. All right. That was a nice little break. Perfect spot for your sponsor. For my sponsor? Mm-hmm. When, I, when I take a leak yeah. or when your dog takes a leak? It's like we're going to take a little break and here's a message from my sponsor. Yeah. Well, that's true, right? It's almost like um, if we take a break <clears throat> and then play a commercial, then it's almost like the viewer or the listener thinks that we're taking a break while this commercial plays. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's all edited. It's all edited in post anyway, so it's yeah, not like yeah. it's... Yeah, we could have taken a one-hour break and you guys have no idea. Or it could be a different day or month. We put we put on the same clothes. It's been two weeks, guys. Oh, shit, I forgot there's video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they true, can true. they can totally see us. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely the same yeah. five, ten minutes, that. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so podcast is an interesting term that is relatively modern, right? Because hmm. it started with people doing just this, like speaking and talking about a certain thing, either just by themselves, telling stories, um, reading things, whatever, right? Yeah. And then they broadcast it. I think it was because the iPod, right? Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Yeah, because it started so, with the iPod, and then the Apple Play Store had um, podcasts. Exactly, that's where it started. Yeah. So, but it's interesting because it's like the the term Kleenex, right? It's a type of tissue, but it's used universally now. And even though podcasts are no longer on an iPod because they don't exist, yeah, iPods um, don't even exist. Anymore. They're they're it's on like, iPhones. They're still on like iTunes and Spotify or you know YouTube, whatever. But people are doing just like this, right? Where there's video yeah. version of a podcast. How come they don't call it like a, a vodcast or something like that or vidcast? Just doesn't sound as good. It's like, I don't know. well, they have, I mean, you had the difference between a blog and a vlog. Exactly. Yeah. So they the differentiated that, yeah. but they never differentiated um, a podcast, which was originally audio. And then now you have video podcasts. Right. Um, you're right. It's not a... A vodcast would be weird, though. But I guess that's no different, weirder than saying vlog. Vlog, yeah. Or vidcast. Vidcast, yeah, that could be something. Because the, the odd is only because of pod and iPod, right? You don't necessarily need to keep that. Yeah. You're casting a video. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not the one to... to we, we just break, coined the term. Break that ground. Vidcast? Absolutely. This is the P-Dub vidcast. Hmm. Well, I like I, it's alliterative. I, I like the podcast because it's the P Dub podcast, so yeah. it fits. So you know, yeah, I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick with it. Because <laughs> if I start coining a phrase that no one else uses, and then that's all in the algorithm, and nobody finds it because it's uh, no one's looking for vidcast or whatever. So P Dub podcast parentheses vidcast or opposite. I don't know. No, we're just gonna leave it. <laughs> I like the idea, though. I, I like the idea of like um, formalizing like a, a permanent name for video stuff because there's not a lot of video podcasts out there, and this is 
frankly, it's a lot of extra effort. Like, if I just did audio on this thing, there'd be, like, a fraction of the amount of stuff on this table right now. It's yeah. it's a lot of effort. Because, I mean... I, I think you, it's worth it. You, you, you take the same audio, clip out the video, and then that's your podcast, right? I mean, like, yeah. very prominent video podcast, like Joe Rogan show, right? That That's mm-hmm. a video. But he also has a podcast. Well, he's also got the the capital for it. Like, he's got... Um, the money for any equipment, right? That yeah, he wants, sure. and he's got a full-time engineer sitting there, and and it's um, it takes a lot of work. And so there, I, I I'm striving to bring some kind of excellence to the whole thing, in general. Like once I can get somebody sitting back there, we can have the um, the monitor up, and we can do a picture-in-picture on that. We can be pulling things up on the internet, and um, I just want to have fun with it. I mean, we'll see we'll see what this manifests into, but yeah, it's um, I think right now it's just like a fun little thing and yeah right now i'm the one doing video switching but eventually that'll be you know someone in the background doing it just ate something under your all right back from break two ben's busy putting eye drops in his eyes it's so touching (laughs) the difference between the roto red green and blue Mm -hmm. i think it's just like the menthol level maybe this isn't as like shocking right yeah that's the lower level one i wanted the one that barely had the hint let me see that it barely had the hint of the uh the menthol in it the first time was i the one that introduced you to those it's not even menthol actually it's nat nafazoline polysorbate and that's it uh nafazoline hydrochloride polysorbate 80 that's so it's not even menthol Okay, because so, it doesn't feel cooling. It does not? No. It says cool on it, but it doesn't feel It cooling. definitely says it's cool. <laughs> it says cool on it. Yeah. Ro- Roto. I don't like their name. I know that's their name, but um, it sounds to me like a, like a vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like the Roto. Get the Roto. It sucks all the dirt up. It, prob- it probably reminds you of, um, it's not a vacuum, but it was a plumbing service called Roto Rooter. Yeah, it, well, I thought about that, but it, I'm thinking more roto. I don't know. It just sounds like a, a machine, like yeah. some kind of old vacuum cleaner or a like a a, a, a brand that makes blenders and toasters and yeah. stuff like that. Did I introduce you to the menthol cool eye drops? I think so. Yeah, back when we would go to EDM shows. Yeah, we were going to EDM shows, and you were like, "Try this." Try and this. I'm, it's gonna. I'm rolling real hard, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And my eyeballs in <laughs> this love. Feels amazing. <laughs> um, I actually discovered them from a friend similarly in a club setting <clears throat> when I was in college and you used to only be able to get them in Japan so it's a Japanese company called Rudder oh that's oh okay yeah. I didn't know that and the bottle used to like look like this green gem with a golden top mm. and that stuff was a lot more potent than this one but I feel like the Americanized version it's still not the same as when we had in Japan like it had the perfect amount of cooling nature to it. Yeah. The ones in the U.S., you've got the red, green, and blue. Blue, just like, it freaks your eyes out. It's it's way too much. Too much. Yeah. And then the green is okay, but it's it's just not the same. Just like going back to the beer. For whatever reason, stuff that's made in the original country is always better. Yeah, like I agree. Guinness, the eye drops, Red Bull. Dude, I had, um, if you go pretty much generally anywhere in Europe, um, 
That's fine. You can just put it where it's not wet anymore. But um, you can put um, if you go to anywhere in Europe, the Snickers bars are pr- pretty much gonna be made in like Holland. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, dude, it's amazing. Have uh, you had a European Snickers bar? It's like, nope. it, I mean, it just tastes like heaven, man. I mean, it's like the best tasting chocolate, the creamiest, the nutty, carameliest. Uh, it's just so good, the quality. And then and you think, oh, my God, I, like this is the best Snickers bar I've ever had. Yeah. And you come back to the States, and a Snickers bar is still a good, go- uh, still a good chocolate bar, but it's just not, not as good. nearly as good as when you have it in Europe. I guess that's one of the exclusions then because it's interesting because cacao came from the Americas, but chocolate was perfected in Europe. Cacao is from the Americas. Yeah, that hell was yeah. Like a South American, uh, African, or South, yeah, South, South American, America. African, not African. Oh, now it's cultivated yeah, there, yeah. but it originated from the U.S. and it used to be had like uh, almost like hot cocoa, but it wasn't sweet, and it was uh, it served kind of like a medicinal purpose. So it wasn't until I guess the Europeans brought it back to Europe and it was like, hey. This is really good when you add sugar to it. <laughs> oh, let's add some milk to it. It's even better. Well, yeah. debatably. But, yeah. Well, for sure, man. I mean, what are the common mixtures that you see across all dessert recipes? There's sugar, milk. Butter. Butter and chocolate. That's, like, predominantly, like, every dessert, like, mm-hmm. out there. Except for vanilla ice cream. Okay, so then it's milk... Butter, sugar, and vanilla. Raspberry tart. What's in a raspberry tart? Butter, <laughs> egg, flour, raspberry sugar. No chocolate. Yeah, the egg. I forgot about egg. Egg is in there too. Because that, that's yeah. for a, what is that, a solidifier or a emulsifier? What, what, what is that word? It's mm. a, some kind of ire. Combinifier? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Combine a fire. Combine a fire. <laughs> well, you always make like you throw eggs. If you're making um, a meat patty for a hamburger, you throw an egg in there. That's a binder, right? That's in what. That. I'm, yeah, that, in desserts though, isn't that what a, is in a dessert? You put an egg in there because that binds the batter and the, the icing. Does it and all bind that shit. it, or does it help to like um, add additional it? protein and and like allow it to rise or? I don't think the, it, the, the rising pro- agent the is like matters. baking powder or something like that, or the yeast, right? Yeah, the rising is always a yeast um, yeast thing. I I I divide the world into bakers and cooks. Mm-hmm. I'm not a baker. Oh, I see. Yeah, because you're always making you're making like legit steaks and um, you're always like cooking things. But yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you bake anything. I mean, I've baked stuff, but. Also, it's kind of like a mentality. Yeah. Bakers? We don't, you, don't, it, you don't want to be like considered a baker? Not a master baker? Um, yeah. No, because like bakers, and if, if you observe people, people, you can probably tell too, because bakers, like in baking, it's a very precise science. Mm-hmm. A teaspoon of this, a quarter teaspoon of that, a... a Eighth of a teaspoon of this, right? Yeah. It's, it, you don't freestyle in baking for the most part. If you do, you're going to get something crazy. Yeah. Cooking, a pinch of this. My pinch is different from yours. A dash of that. You mm-hmm. kind of improvise. There are recipes, but you're free to freestyle on that. Yeah. Make it your own. Kind of ad lib it. Fail. Succeed. You know, yeah. it, create something, right? 
I feel like that a lot of pe- people's personalities are, are similar. Hmm. You either go on a vacation and you have like an in-depth itinerary or you have a general idea and you're like, eh, let's play by ear. Let's figure out what we want to do. Hmm. Right? Yeah, I like vacations to be different each time. I don't like to be, um, I don't like to go and have like a fixed itinerary and say, okay, uh, like three weeks before you even arrive in the place, like, all right, on the Monday we're there, we're doing this at 9 a.m. And then at 1 p.m. we're going to this thing. And I'm like, it's too tight, man. I can't, I can't, I can't keep that all, you know, we, we need vibe out time. We need time to chill and just sit on the beach and have a pina colada. We need time to like adapt and, and adjust. But if everything's booked out and paid in advance, then it's kind of exhausting. Oh yeah. That's ringing. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, but no, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm the type that, for the most part, if I'm planning the, the trip, then I'm going to have a few key kind of places that are noted that, hey, we'd like to go tour this or eat eat here. But mm-hmm. on a daily basis, well, let's see what we feel like. Yeah. We, could, we might have like a little bit of a schedule and be like, oh, hey, this day if we had to make a reservation for something like that or make a trip within the trip, yeah, you know, we do this, but it's not like I haven't, I, I mean, I can respect the organization and detail and work that goes into creating an itinerary. Like my sister, super organized. Mm-hmm. You go on a trip with her <laughs> day one, day two, day three, written, printed out itinerary, 9am to 10:30am. This, no. 10 30 to 11 rest you know it's scheduled out yeah it's super organized which is why she excels so well at her, as her job and as like a director of whatever super organized like she <laughs> don't she, even know your sister's job well she, she, does she she's like a, a director or something like that of of food production okay. something like that that's cool but you know she has that person that's like super organized super detail oriented has to have everything laid out i can respect it yeah but you know, it's it's not my style of travel. Yeah. Luckily, it's not my wife's style of travel. It's not Sam's style either. Sure. I mean, case in point, we we went to Seattle and Vancouver, right? And we're like, oh, hey, you know, uh, she she planned the trip. She booked it. She she did everything, right? Bought the tickets, and I was like, so what are we doing? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, D- do you have any restaurants that you want to? Mm, no. Hmm. Okay, that's let's, cool. Let's uh, let's check it out. Check it out. Let's go on Yelp, tra- TripAdvisor, whatever. Ask the concierge. I mean, that can go both horribly wrong, or really well. Yeah, or somewhere in between. So you know, it, it, it was a good trip, but you know, it's it's a different mentality and approach to life. I think. Yeah. Well, it depends on the trip. Like, if you're gonna go, I think like if I went to Rome. Yeah. I'd say okay. Again, I don't like being overbogged, but I don't like getting bogged down on a vacation. But yeah. there's three places that I got to see. Coliseum. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's, so there's like, well, I don't have them in my mind, yeah. but I'm just saying like, for instance, if I'm going for seven days, yeah. there are three guaranteed places I'm going to go. Yeah. And so I make sure that I, I hit up those three places. Yeah. But, um, and then, and then, and then I might look and see, okay, is there, is there a Michelin restaurant nearby those things? Are you fancy, huh? Yeah, man. Well, I want to do like I want to do one night yeah. where we do a, like a ball out of control dinner, and we go to a Michelin restaurant, yeah. and we just live it up and yeah. live 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 it large. And then the rest of the time, 
dude, we can walk around and chill and whatever and adapt and and just kind of adjust. But like for me, that's my perfect vacation is like there are things we have to accomplish where you're going to you're going to go to Rome and not see the Colosseum for the first. It's just it's almost like a wasted trip. Right? Yeah, you, there's you certain things it. you have to see. It's like you're not going to go to Paris and not see the Arc de Triomphe or the Eiffel Tower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much, like, even, even like, Europe, Europe is a really, like, we love Asian food because we're Asian. Mm. And um, we often cater a lot of our trips around food mm-hmm. and what we want to eat. But Europe is so cool because outside of the major cities, is where a lot of character is seen. Sure. So like when we went to France for my friend's wedding, it was in Clermont-Ferrand, and then, oh, no, 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 we flew there, and then it was in a town called Thiers, which is just outside of there. And just driving around these small little towns, it's so cool. And then when we were doing a road trip through Spain, the little towns in between the major cities of Valencia, Barcelona, Madrid... San Sebastian, doing those little pit stops is like, hey, you know what? We have no idea what this town is, but let's park and get lost for a couple hours and just walk around the village. Yeah. And it's so cool. I, I remember there's this one time. I couldn't. Oh, I think it was a town called Cuenca because I got this little pottery thing. Cuenca. And we pulled over. This is on a road trip that I took with my buddy OJ. And it was right after my friend Xavier's wedding. So. Funny enough, it was his wedding in, in, in France, in Thiel, that we went to, and he and his newly wife, we were like, hey, you, we're, we're going to Spain. We're doing a road trip. Do you want to come with us? Like, sure, why not? We don't have a honeymoon planned immediately. So they amazingly came on a road. Like, there was four other people that we met at their wedding that decided to come to Spain with us just on a whim. Super cool. So they, like... Yeah, they came cool. to Barcelona, and then Xavier and Amandine, me, Aunt OJ, and Kate, we did the road trip through the rest of Spain. And we pulled over in the small town called Cuenca. I had this little Nissan SUV or whatever, and we pulled up, parked in some tiny little space, and we just started walking through this little town. Cobblestone, everything, right? Amazing architecture that's been there for hundreds of years. Beautiful little town, right? And if you ever played or seen Assassin's Creed, where they have those little medieval villages, yeah, it looked exactly like that. It felt like I was in a video game. Just so scenic, so beautiful. And as we're walking through these narrow corridors on the cobblestone, it's completely uneven, right? We start hearing this enchanting sound just echoing through the corridors and, and the alleyways. I'm like, what is that? It, it, it's just kind of like... Off in the distance, and it's growing, and it's growing. It sounds like a violin or something that's just like wafting across the wind, right? Mm. And as we it's continue to indigestion from your last meal. Huh? No, no. <laughs> indigestion from your last oh, indigest- meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as we're walking through these alleys and quarters, the sound gets louder and louder. The music gets louder and louder until it opens up into this tiny little courtyard almost, right? And there's a guy in front of a church. Going to town hmm. on an electric violin. Oh, sweet! I'm like, I think that's where we coined the term. This is so Spain. T i s e t t i s. This this is so t i s s. This is so Spain. And so, like, 
there's all these miscellaneous type of experiences that you can have just by getting lost in a little town Mm -hmm. without adhering to an itinerary and just letting fate take you wherever that you otherwise wouldn't get to experience. And it's so cool that we were able to experience that, especially with our group of friends is, yeah, is, is one of those core memories, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the adventuring into, um, essentially like the unknown, that's, that's very much like it for me in line of like what life is about. And so I've been, um, you're right. Uh, some of the best times I've had in traveling is when I ended up in a place I didn't expect. Um, the, uh, I, I went to, um, Morocco in 2013, okay. doing a military co-training thing with the Moroccan military. And, um, that's interesting. yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> there's a whole story about that, but that's not the focus of this. So we, uh, we had a couple of days of Liberty. Um, you get like some days off basically. And, uh, so we're there for three weeks. And so they're like, yeah, we'll give you a couple of days to go yeah. chill or something. So, um, I had, uh, I had my job, which was driving around to do a bunch of stuff anyway. So yeah. I was kind of cruising around. So I got to meet locals. I got to try the local food, which a lot of dudes didn't get to do that. And so, um, they're stuck on the base doing stuff every day. And is I, tagine big over there or is that what it's called? Or yeah. T- tagine. Tagine. Those clay. Pot yeah. The clay pot thing. Yeah. It's, still, it's amazing. Um, I had camel tagine. <laughs> <laughs> was it camel's toe? No, that, was, <laughs> that better not be tagine. Camo's hump. <laughs> that better not be tagine. Yeah. That's just, I like. Uh, that's vagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like my camel toe clean. No yeah. no tagine in there. <laughs> but um, it, it was uh, chicken tagine is the shit, man. Because that's been, the chicken's been stewing in there for like nine hours yeah. with the, the carrots and the peas and the potatoes and stuff. And everything just dissolves in your mouth when you eat it. It's so yeah. fucking good. But. The point is, um, we ended up in this town called Tagazut. So we're in um, the capital. We leave the capital. It's about a, I don't remember, one-hour drive or something. We get out. It's along the coast. It's a surf and fish town. So it's just like you you described. Like you you end up in this small village, and it's like in some kind of like game or a a movie you see or something. Like it's just this pristine that I have these pictures I can show you. It has these like corridors with these tight, narrow corridors where it's all like only a couple people can fit shoulder to shoulder. And that's the street, the alleyway. Oh, wow. And it's like blue and orange and red houses and just this really cool, vibrant coloring. And then it's right set on, set on the coast on a, on these cliffs that are kind of over, not cliffs, but like these hillsides that look down. And then the beach the 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 main cove in the town is where all it's really rocky, but that's okay. where all the fishmonger boats come up. Okay. So they depart from there, from the center of town, go fishing, bring all their fish in, and that's where they they sell all their fish off to the to the cool. to the local place. But the neighboring beach, just off to the left of the town, is the surf beach. Now is that like a rocky beach as well, or is it sand? No, totally sand, like legit sand. And I mean, I'm not saying it's like Cuban sand or anything, but it's like legit sand. Yeah. And they have great waves. I mean, it's like six foot waves. And so I I didn't expect to ever be in this little town, and here I am surfing in Africa. <laughs> you like, actually went surfing? Yeah, dude. That's we amazing. we rented some boards and some wetsuits and stuff, and I'm surfing in Africa on a military deployment. Like this is the shit. This is the best thing. And instead of like staying, because then two days of Libo, some of those guys just stayed in the main town yeah. and just hung out and went to restaurants and whatever. And we're like, let's go check out some stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was that was a good time. So 
um, there was that. Um, another one that comes to mind is um, I went to Ecuador. Uh oh, is that thing falling off? No, it's fine. Okay, I went to <laughs> I went to Ecuador uh, a few years ago, and instead of I, I I stayed in Quito, but instead of just staying there, I did like you said uh, a few minutes ago, like a day trip. That's where you got that me that little llama thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um uh so I did a day trip up I, I met these girls at a restaurant in Quito and they were we got to talking and they're like I was like, Hey, what's some what's a cool thing like I should check out while yeah. I'm here? Like if I never come back to Ecuador, what's a thing I should go It's a must see. Yeah, what's a must see? She's like, All right, well you already saw the 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 museum you saw this one church the churches are really big there so you saw yeah. this one mega church you saw this government building like these are all the cool things you already saw yeah. in the city so now you have to go do the sky swing up in the mountains and see the waterfall and so there's this you drive it's a few hours out of town so it's a bit of a haul okay and so they drive me they take me the next day and i'm with these two girls i just <laughs> met the night before and they're we're, locals yeah they're okay. local they're local equi- yeah. equi- uh, girl Ketoans, ketoites, ketoi. I don't know how you would say that for the word keto. Ketas, ketas, ketas. That that does work. So the I'm with the ketas, and uh, we're driving in the car, and it's like three hours up there, and it's this mega sky swing. It's and you talk about like the safety of like roller coasters yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. bro. <laughs> it is a rope swing, okay. hung from. A, uh, I don't even remember what it's hung from, a, a big-ass tree or okay. some kind of metal thing they built. I don't remember. Um, but it swings out over this giant-ass cliff, and it's like a thousand-foot drop, and they swing you out over it, and you're just on a swing. Like, so, are you in a harness? No, you are just on... Like a playground swing, but you're like going 100 feet out. Or you are on a playground swing. What the hell? And, they, and, they, and it, you, as you swing back... There's just someone back there pushing you just like you are in a playground and they're just pushing you and you just keep <laughs> swinging out. You're like, holy fuck. And you're just swinging out like this is Dang. fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that it's is a, cool. It's amazing. So yeah. I've seen those before. I didn't realize like, oh, this is some real shit. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's kids and kids uh, were doing it. Dude, kids were doing it. Grandmas and everyone's getting on it. And they, you know what? I got to hand it to them. They handled it way better than I did because I was <laughs> like freaking the fuck out and I'm like dude <laughs> yeah so i think they they hand they handled it better than me to be yeah. honest but um then we went to this big ass waterfall and that was beautiful um like could you swim in the like underneath no or? it wasn't anything like that they had it was like um it used to be some kind of fort or something like that and now it's, it's fort. You, you just walk up and down these steps okay and it, there's nowhere to like swim or anything but okay yeah, that was really cool. We had lunch next, like nearby, um, and uh, and then drove back. So that was a really cool day. But that I love those days. I love those days when you're traveling and you just get to go to some place you never knew you were gonna end up. You went there by yourself, didn't you? Yeah. See, I I've always yeah. admired folks that can do that because I don't think I'd have the balls or mentality or psychological wherewithal to travel by myself. I find that extraordinarily intimidating um yeah it can be depending on where you're going um but i think it's very freeing like i think if you have the means like financially and you have the time you've got to do a a solo trip once in your life where 
Nobody's interrupting. No one's checking in on you. You're just, you're fucking off on your own program yeah. for f- five days by yourself and even three days, just somewhere to where you are given an opportunity to be yourself, to do your own thing. And I think it's the best, man, because you really do discover a lot about yourself. You discover that in the absence of your partner, your spouse, your friend, your sister, your mom, like whatever, like in the absence of all these people that are a big influence in your life, and rightfully so, in the absence of them, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, what what do you end up doing that you... You're like, oh, I actually really like doing this. I didn't even know that I would like it. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, I love the solo trip. The solo trip to me is is so valuable for discover self discovery. It's like a walkabout, right? It's discovering who you are. Yeah, I think that's cool too. Like our our new friend that we met recently on the camp trip, camping mm-hmm. trip, Oscar. He he does a lot of solo trips. He he took his mom on this amazing hike on mm-hmm. a. 14er, I think is what he called it. But um, previous to that, he went and he showed me the the video footage that I think he posted on Instagram too. And he's just climbing this ridge. And it's literally like if you were straddling a shark fin. Mm -hmm. He's on the tippy top of the mountain. Yeah. So exposed, not tied in nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Just him, his water pack, his boots, his GoPro or 3D, whatever. And it's just like going through. It's like it's an amazing experience because it, it's it gives you perspective on life. Yeah, you know, both how how minuscule our daily issues are, and then it also kind of puts you in perspective um, as our position in nature, right? So it's 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 cool in that aspect. On the social aspect, if you're not just going to the wilderness, I think that's the part that would in, intimidate me a bit because mm. like me personally, I don't like going places and eating alone. I find it's awkward. Yeah. And like, even I don't like, even though you don't really socialize while you're in a movie, cause you know, Hey, you know, 10 minutes of credits or whatever you got to talk, but usually you're not speaking. Right. I don't even like going to movies by myself. I've, mm. I've done it, but it's not really something I, I feel weird about doing. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a personality where you enjoy the company of others. Um, I'm, I, lo- I, I'm a, I think I'm a hybrid of that. Like, I like, I like hanging out, like doing some stuff with friends and family. Um, but I, I have to have that alone time. I have to have that decompression time. Oh yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. me too. Like, that, that's why our, our, I guess my long distance relationship and now marriage has, has worked out because I need a lot of alone time too. Yeah, but it's it's different for me. Keep the mic right by you. Oh yeah, just it's, move it if you have yeah. to. It's different for me versus like if I'm just at home versus traveling. Mm-hmm. And I really admire being able to travel alone because I think it's really cool. Because just like going off the beaten path and exploring things as as nature takes you and as the world takes you, I think it would be really cool to be able to do that kind of solo trip in a major city or a minor city of a small town outside of the country or wherever. Or a minor city. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to Because, like, I, 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 one of the, the most memorable trips that I did not take <laughs> that I live vicariously through 
Oh, is that your foot? Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry Ooh, that's that. me, oh, baby. Hey, hey, you, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but was a trip that OJ took because mm-hmm. he and his family went to Japan and they traveled all throughout, you know, his parents, his brother and sister. And then afterwards, he was like, I'm going to stay for another couple weeks or whatever the time was mm-hmm. and just backpack through Japan. Yeah. He doesn't speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. Japanese don't speak English. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like other you know in Europe. A lot of people speak English, not in Spain, but a lot of people speak English <laughs> in Japan. He was literally just living out of a backpack, taking the train wherever. Yeah, it would take him. No plan, and you know, just going from hostel to hostel or whatever. I think that's really cool. Yeah, let me propose something to you. What if we did a a hybrid trip? Okay, so you remember your bachelor party trip? We're in the Bahamas. Do you remember that I showed up a day before you guys and yeah. I stayed oh, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, I yeah. stayed two days after you, you guys. You stayed two days after. This is my this is my go to on trips if a if a group of people are gonna be there. I I, I wanna experience that place by myself. So I'll, I'll do a thing where I'm there early yeah. or I'm late or both. Yeah. So that the, I'm I'm there hanging out with the group. I'm having a good time, but okay. I'm also getting to experience my own thing. What am I doing by myself in this place versus yeah. with the group? And it was a different experience for sure. Um, but here's here's what I propose: is that we go on a trip somewhere together, but for th- two or three days of the trip, we fuck off on our own, and then we come back, and then meet up for the last day or whatever, and chill or a couple days, and then do our, our bro time. And then, and then we fly out because then you'll get a chance to do your solo thing, um, to kind of experience that. Cause it, okay. So, and, and I already see the wheel, the wheels moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already see yeah. the, 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 the hesitation. So let me, let me, let me talk you through this. <laughs> when you're going to a new city, yeah. Uh, let's say you got a layover in an airport. It's in the U S but you're on your way to, to something. And you have yeah, done that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. But the hypo- just put yourself in, I've stayed in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 hold on. Yeah. So you're in a lay you're on a layover, but you've yeah. never been to that airport. Okay. So how do you get to your gate? Well, you gotta you you maybe go to the information desk or you um you look up the map or whatever, like you figure look it out. Signs, yeah. Like yeah, you figure it out. You look at the signs, you you you, yeah. you adjust, you know, you adapt. Yeah. It's like DFW airport. I've got the whole me- place memorized. Like I don't need to know anything. I yeah. just know exactly where to go. Yeah. I know where the sky trains are, I know all that stuff. I know the the shortcut to for people to drop you off instead of going down they're supposed to go up yeah, to yeah. the arrival side yeah. but that's the better place to drop people off yeah. anyway so it's just how it is man so it's like if you're in a new place in the United States you're gonna do the same thing in that airport that you would if like when you're saying OJ's in Japan you just figure it out and there's nothing oh yeah terrifying about it so that's what that's what I'm proposing to you is like you get the solo time, but it's still a guy trip. We're still doing, you know, some yeah. some fun stuff. It, it it could be interesting. It would. It would. It, it would definitely percent. be. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's one of those things where it would be good to get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the whole point of it. Yeah. That is the point is that you want to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. It's like I'm so comfortable in my life now. How can I? learn something new about myself I didn't know before. Yeah. If I'm doing, if I'm repeating the same comforting habits, yeah, there's nothing new for me to learn. 
unless I put myself into a new situation, unless I put myself into a new landscape, terrain, culture, ecosystem, something different that forces me to exhibit behavior that I've never had the chance to exhibit before. You know, it, it, it makes sense because I, I don't know why as I got older, I'm, I'm less social and perhaps more reclusive, but if I think about it, grumpy you know, old man. I know, right? Grumpy it's, old man. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm making sounds when I get up. It's just, <laughs> but like more diarrhea than you used to have before. <laughs> no, no, my my bowels are pretty good there. All right, but um, just because I didn't have that Iraqi water from the yeah. The all right, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> yeah, I've been poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like come to think of it, like, growing up through high school, college, right? I was always thrust into new situations, new people, new environments. And it was more of a regular occurrence, right? High school, always played tennis and mom was super mom, always had in, in the age of limited internet uh, uh, research and everything's researched through books that you get at Barnes & Noble or whatever, Right. She always had a program for for me, at least. I don't know uh, my sister, but for me, she always had a program. So either I was at a tennis camp in Dallas all summer long, mm-hmm. or I would go to Stanford for a you know a couple week or a month long tennis camp, or went to cool experience. Went to Columbia University for a month uh, for a program, and then go, even going to out of state for college. I'm being put into new environments where it's it's really interesting to and fun and dynamic to get to know the environment and new people. So I don't know why as I got older I stopped putting myself out there hmm. in, in that regards. I don't know, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, well it sounds like you had somebody kind of um she would push me. Making the initiative yeah, for exactly. you yeah, at, yeah. when you were a kid. And that's great. That's what parents are supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, your mom's awesome that way. Yeah. Um, I think, um, like you said, though, as you get older. Um, Settling into you, you what I'm set- comfortable. Yeah, you get settled yeah. in your yeah. comfort zone. And yeah. I think that's that's the challenge is like, um, I, hear the, I hear a statistic, and I can't validate this, but I hear that um, a big percentage of 20-year full career veteran military guys, uh-huh. um, like a big percentage of them die within 10 years after they retire of the, uh, really? of, of their career. Yeah. Because, pretty... um, like not like 70% or something, but just like a bigger percentage than you would think. And you're like, Oh, that's weird. Uh, why is that? And it's, and there's a speculation that, well, they stop. They're so used to like for all those decades being highly utilized and highly needed and if they don't dive into something else after that, yeah, then they they kind of atrophy, like an emotional, okay. mental atrophy. Yeah, they're no longer sense. needed. And this isn't just you see this in military people, but like elderly people, like 70, 70 plus. Yeah. <laughs> I see you pushing my feet over there. <laughs> uh, if you're like seventy plus, yeah. then um, then uh, you know if they're not exercising, if they don't have some kind of exercising activity, or stimulating their mind, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, exactly. So without that kind of stimulation uh, for anybody, then uh, it leads to an early death. And so I think that um, right now we're in that phase. It's like in that 40 hub, like you're going to be 40 soon. Um, 
I'm 41. Yeah. And it's like we ha- we have to. I hear the dog shaking. We have to maintain constant discovery, constant new experiences, constantly learning, constantly That's adapting, true. and being uh, stressing our body yeah. physically, stressing our mind yeah. in in healthy ways, learning new things. Experiencing yeah. new things. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I think, think it's necessary, important. man. Yeah, and so I think, um, you know, we have seasons where it's like, hey, I just need to chill out for a while. Yeah. Hey, I'm just going to do my thing or yeah. I need a break, whatever. That's fine. But I think ultimately the the goal should always be, for me at least, I feel like I always need to be striving to um, acquire new experiences. Yeah. And if I don't acquire new experiences, then I feel like I'm... Um, I'm stuck. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I think that's a good perspective as well, because I think as I have transitioned from like the student life to the adult quote unquote life where you're, you're worrying about your career and making money and being established and successful and all that stuff and being responsible. Yeah. I, my focus has changed due to responsibility, right? You, you have a certain amount of freedom as a student. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy because when you think about that time, when you're a student, you're just like, oh, let me get through this semester. Let me get through this year. I want to be an adult already and start working. Then you're going to have all the freedom that you want. Uh, yeah, but you still you have a lot of obligations and responsibilities. And that, I mean, yeah, once you're financially stable, then you get more freedom to travel should you choose to do so. Let me interrupt but, here. Let me interrupt here because students have so much fucking freedom. Oh, yeah. They are so they have so much chill time. You go to school from like ten to two o'clock. Yeah. Or something or nine nine to one or but that's like a world. Four hours. Yeah, but no, but they act like it's so stressful. For them, yes, it is because yeah. they're young and they haven't lived through it, but they don't know how easy it is. It's like a, a preschool kid, like, Oh my god, I got all this you don't have anything going on. You're yeah, just right. Learning just to draw make and- macaroni <laughs> shitty art like <laughs> and take a nap. Like, right. Yeah. But go ahead. I didn't mean that. No, that's it, that's a hundred percent what it is. It's like, no matter what stage in life, you're always going to have stresses, and it's relative to your experience at that point and responsibilities. But I think it's important to have conversations with yourself or with friends or loved ones in this type of manner to kind of do a little gut check. You know, mm. um, in just, what way? What are we checking? It's like, hey, you know. What, what what are you doing with your life? Are are you mm. stimulating yourself mentally and satisfying all the itches, or are you focusing on one part and uh, distracting, allowing life's woes to distract you and, and uh, you know dominate your attention? Yeah, that's very because that's that's unhealthy. Yeah, and part of the reason why I got into the career previously that I, I'm in is because, like I mentioned before, a conversation with my cousin who was an amazing salesman at a, you know, one of the largest energy um, companies in, in the U.S. And hearing about the woes and struggles and successes of climbing a corporate ladder, right? Mm-hmm. You become that CEO that makes tens of millions, not hundreds of millions of dollars, right? But at what sacrifice? Like, I, I think we get so caught up in the rat race, whatever that rat race looks like to each individual, that we don't necessarily take time to think about what's important in our life. Yeah. So. Well, that's absolutely true, man. I th- I think people, 
people need to recognize. I've I, I've had a tumultuous year. I think yeah. that I I for a minute there I didn't recognize that um, I need to be doing what I think is just fun. I just need to enjoy my life. And I think if you pursue ultimately the things that you really enjoy, then it'll it'll work out because people will see when you truly are passionate about um, what you do. Like let's take the the CEO executive. Like there there are. Uh, people out there that truly enjoy that that's they're sure. so passionate about Absolutely. it they seek after it they pursue it they study it they take classes they get coaches to help them they get uh, uh speech writers and yeah. people they like they're really into it and that's their thing yeah and so they they get into it they have public relations people and they're, they're like super into that whole world yeah. of being an executive and and winning at the top that's not that's a rare person though it's not not everybody's wired for that. Yeah. Uh, um, I know I'm definitely not wired for that. Like it's yeah. just not my thing. Um, and and I you know I was in the corporate world for a while, and yeah. it's like I can hang there for a bit, and until I l- realize that I'm kind of fooling myself. Like this yeah. is just I can I can do it, but then at the end of the day, I'm not feeling fulfilled because it's not really what gives me drive and purpose and ultimately yeah. makes me happy. So I'm not going to hang in there for 25, 30 years and be the executive of a corporation because yeah. it's just not what I want to do. Yeah, sure. So then what is it that really makes a person happy? And I think that's when you see that somebody's doing something they really enjoy, they're having yeah. a good time about it, you can see that. You can pick up on that vibe. And, and why is that person successful at the thing they're doing? Yeah. Because everyone sees that and they're like, well, I want to work with that person because yeah. they're really enjoying that thing, whatever it is, making lemonade, S- selling yeah. micro semiconductors there uh whatever whatever that that yeah interest is yeah for sure yeah so getting back to what you're saying is like i think we need to um have those moments in life where we take a step back and we recognize hey it's time to have a little break it's time to have a little reset and let me remember for a minute like what is it that <laughs> i really enjoy about life what is it that makes me happy and um and i think it doesn't have to be the solo trip for yeah. sure, but it's got to be something. Something, yeah. Go, to, go on a retreat. Go, um, go do something. But breaking away from your normal routine, whatever your routine is, you got to break away from it, yeah. I, I believe. And make time for your passions, whatever that may be. Yeah. If your passions are your, whatever your career is in, that's even better, right? But if, if I mean... Unfortunate part of life, we do need money to, to live and, and enjoy the luxuries of housing and food and water and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, nothing against people or situations where you're working. And obviously, this kind of conversation is, is one of privilege, and not everybody has that kind of privilege that, you know. Yeah. Life requires money, unfortunately, and you have to earn it. And, you know, depending on what career path or, or job that you're working sometimes you don't have the luxury of pursuing your passions which is unfortunate but hopefully you find something that you can be passionate about that you have time for in, in your life whether that's your kids or family or whatever right mm-hmm. so it's i think it's it, it's i mean again it, it it it's a conversation of the privileged which is kind of shitty to say um, 
I don't know. I, I mean, you know, yeah, because we're sitting here in a studio and we got lights and equipment and and we're just taking our evening. But what is it? Yeah. It's Tuesday night. Yeah, we're just chilling out. I yeah. can't. I think anybody in any country in any situation can have the same conversation. They can have the same conversation, but yeah. whether or not you can implement the luxury of pursuing your passion, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. Well, I can't I can't speak for everyone's situation, right. yeah. but I know that my time in the corporate world made me some good money. Yeah. And I was able to save a lot of money. Oh shit. My bad. Breaking microphones. <laughs> but uh what what I think is is that because of that time where I busted my ass in the corporate world and made good money, that allowed me, the the afforded me the time to start a company and kind of navigate and, and branch out on my own and navigate and figure out like, um, starting the business, kind of fueling that dream of doing the nonprofit, making this startup, you know, like with with the the P Dub podcast, like doing a bunch of different things and kind of pursuing and actually really just kind of feeling things out. I've I've been afforded that opportunity, and while it hasn't necessarily, from a financial standpoint, felt super productive, it's been productive in other yeah. ways, and where it's given me time to explore uh, myself and pursue other things, like you know, earlier this year, yeah, I did some yeah, things. Sure. So I wouldn't have had that chance if I was you know, stuck at a desk. True. Um, so I I think you've got seasons. There's a in um, there is a there is a season where you toil your ass off and then there's other seasons where you just kind of rest and vibe out and maybe do a little self-searching soul searching that kind of stuff yeah yeah man so i I feel um i feel like there's seasons for everything so if a person's like in a uh maybe what you know the media might call like an underprivileged situation maybe they didn't have a successful stint in a corporate thing or something like there's still a way for them to start doing the things they love the the point is like just start in some way yeah that, in that some that's a good point. one way or another it's a slow build things don't happen overnight and it's uh, consistency right yeah whether that's building career um health learning a new trade learning a new skill mm-hmm. it's all about that consistency because little by little you make a lot of progress right yeah more time so no that makes sense i'm sorry like that shirt, PP motherfuckers. <laughs> I still think that's that, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that I found it. Yeah, yeah. I got lucky, PP motherfuckers. <laughs> I almost feel like that should be on the the podcast like logo somewhere because that that's just amazing. Yeah, whoever made this shirt <laughs> needs to recognize. Are you that. sure? I like, came up with this shirt. They, years they ago. tapped into your subconscious. They're like, hey, we we saw Paul's dream, you know, fifteen years ago or whatever. Fifteen years ago. It was no, that was um, 2018, 2019. Oh, was that when you created that song? Yeah, we were coming back from a show, one of the many. Oh, I right. don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was coming back from a show, and I was just coming up with some <laughs> beatbox thing. Yeah, and uh, this is it was. That's right. Pew pew, motherfucker. No, I thought about it. That's what it is. I thought about it earlier in the day. Yeah, and then I told you about it that night, and I was like, "Hey, I had this idea about like." That's hilarious. Some EDM song that has pew pew motherfuckers. And then <laughs> yeah, that's right. somehow, somehow yeah. it ends up on a shirt. And I was like, what yeah. the fuck? That's my idea. <laughs> it's such a random thing. Cat like, dual wielding. Yeah. Who would have, who would have even thought that that could be a duplicate thought? Like someone yeah. else could have that same thought of, uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. a, it's not a, like I, I own it or anything, but it's <laughs> what, what if at that time, because you know that that book that's called the, the Secret, right? Yeah, sending wavelengths through the ethos. What if at that same time, suddenly that person received that same idea, and thus was the genesis of this T-shirt? Do you do you, is that a thing you read that in the book, or do you you actually subscribe to that belief that ideas are floating around out there? Uh, so it's a loaded question because I like to believe that the energy you project does attract this similar energy, which makes sense. Hmm. To implement that, if you're in a depressed state or a happy state, you know, it, it's Tony Robbins, change your levels, right? Um, it's challenging to do but i do think that what your focus is on that's what you attract so yes in a sense i I did read that in the law symbol then years later when i went to the tony robbins um power from within type of seminar similar sentiments were were expressed and i think it's, it's true um and as far as thought processes thoughts and things like that Maybe. I mean, I'm with Sam for a, a reason, right? Whether that's ordained by God or fate or whatever. We have a similar mentality, right? And sorry if I'm breathing heavily into this. <laughs> I've had a few beers. So no. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know if this is my thought process or the beers that's causing me to breathe at this. No, bring the bring the mic at your chin. Because <laughs> I hear myself breathing. <sighs> yeah, just, bring, just pull that thing straight down. This part? No, the big arm. The big one. Right there, yeah. Just pull it down. Pull it down. Yeah, you want the mic at your chin. Chin. Talk over the over the top of the mic. D- does that work? Yeah. You can hear me. Okay. Yeah, bring it up just like a like a half. Like angle it. That, yeah, perfect. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So now all your pop pow that'll float over the top. Pew pew motherfuckers. Yeah. Pew 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 podcast. Pew pew motherfuckers. Yeah, that is that is a few beers talking. So, but where where was it? I think you were talking oh, about Sam. Sam, no, no, no. So it was weird. We were at our house. Yeah, we were at our house, and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to eat for dinner. And she was doing something, I think, on the stove, maybe preparing the dog's food or something like that, or cleaning something up. And I was. This feels like I another think, beer story. No, it, it's much shorter. <laughs> and I was at the kitchen counter, and we were just going back and forth. Hey, what, what should we eat for dinner? Yeah. And suddenly, I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Neither of us said anything before that. Hmm. She's like, what sounds good? I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go to Gwee it, oh, we have a bright. We need to bring you to this uh, another Korean barbecue place. Gwee-gwee? Korean barbecue? Yeah, yeah. Gwee-gwee in was, town? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it's in that same old Denton Center where we we had that chicken takarbi, uh, the chicken grilled thing that was spicy. We we had it one time and it was really good, but overwhelming in flavor. And okay, we never went back. So that place closed. Yeah. Now it's Gwee-gwee. Let's check it out. And so she's like, "What? What'd you say?" It's like Gwee-gwee. That's weird. Literally, I was I, like that thought just popped in my head. And then a millisecond afterwards, you said, yeah, that sounds good. Hmm. I was like, 
suddenly it, it just popped in my head. And it was that same wavelength thing going on, man. Oh, that's cool. It was like she was two feet away from me, and I don't know. Because <laughs> of all of the different restaurants we could have possibly thought, she thinks that, boom. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Well, you, you hear about that from, um, like, married couples or, yeah, people that have yeah. been together a long time or something that you just kind of vibe out. Finish each other's sandwiches. Yeah, yeah sandwiches. Well, you know what that's from. Yeah. No, what is that from? That's from Frozen. Oh, they say finish yeah. each other's sandwiches when, instead when, of... Yeah. Finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was going to say. Cheeks. Cheeks again. Oh. <laughs> instead of sentences. I don't remember that. Yeah. I do remember my daughter singing the Frozen song to me. Like the Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Uh, let It Go. Oh, let, oh, God. Yeah. I feel like every parent had to suffer through that. No, I wasn't suffering. I remember I was doing a video call with her. Her mom put her on... She was in. They were in the car, oh, okay. and her mom put her... Oh, and she said, oh, Olivia wants to sing a song to you. So she sang, let it go, let, let it go. go to me. Yeah, it was the cutest thing ever. It was, yeah. it was great. <laughs> my, my niece and nephew both, and other niece and nephews, they all sing it just incessantly over and over again. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, well, we had that. We had that growing up, too. The I called the golden age of the... I don't know what they call it, but like the golden age of uh, animation, you had the Lion King, Aladdin, yes! Little Mermaid. Hell yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the little cassette tapes with A and B yeah. side. You're telling me we didn't sing? Oh, hell yeah. Man, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Aladdin 8,000 times a you day. Know, yeah. My memory <laughs> is not very good now for whatever reason, but back when I was a kid, I knew lyrics much better than I do now. Like my sister yeah. and I, literally, we, we had um, Aladdin, and what was it? Uh, Lion King on cassette tape. Mm -hmm. And we would just play that over and over again. And we'd be singing the the genie song when he's in the cave. Like, never had a friend like never me. Never had a friend yeah, like me. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I knew every word. It's like, listening to once and then suddenly I know everything. Yeah. Yeah. We were singing it over and over again. So I guess we were equally annoying, but I feel like that was better music. No, man, it's just it, totally it seems like, better. Yeah, of course, our music is always better than anyone else's music. But guess what? Our parents thought the same thing about their shit. Like it was, you know, they thought it was the best. But yeah, so I do like to go back and listen to some older stuff. You know, we were talking earlier. Was that yesterday or today about the 60s music? Oh, yeah, um, yeah today. But you, but you, I think you said it was it 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I like to go back and listen to some older stuff. But I want to make sure I'm I'm not gonna be that grumpy old guy that's only stuck on on old stuff like oh yeah the lane king and aladdin that's the best and it's like yeah let it go had its moment for a minute and then it got kind of annoying i'm not like into it but what i want to do is like keep a fresh mind about the new stuff that comes out yeah. because um you know an another generation is attaching themselves to this material and this content yeah and so i think the best way for me to understand them um and I'm thinking about being a dad, right? I got a daughter, like she's yeah. attaching herself to certain things within pop culture and everything. So for me to understand her, I think I have to also understand the stuff that she's watching. And and instead of just looking at it and be like, oh, it's garbage. It's not as good as The Lion King or Aladdin. Like I've got to, I've got to say, well, why is it cool? What is, yeah. Why is she into it? And try to understand that. I think that'll ultimately help me 
you know, find some kind of common ground or connection with her. I mean, Disney aside, Disney is, they're interested because they watch a cartoon and it's fun and it's catchy and it's, yeah. the songs are designed to be catchy, right? Of course. But yeah. when we're talking about Show music tunes. and the different genres and evolution of music, mm-hmm. it's, it, it kind of, it follows generations and it follows fashion as well. If you know, if, if you notice, no, I haven't. I because in what way? Y- you look at music that's put out today versus ten years ago, and you look at who's putting out that music. When did they grow up, right? And you yeah. look at fashion. When did they grow up? So, I don't know if this. I'm I, I'm pulling this completely out of my ass, but you might have maybe a twenty to thirty year cycle hmm. as as I would call it between trends in fashion and music okay give me you have an example of so like for a, instance, a period of time yeah if you're looking at fashion right people our age they grew up in the 80s 90s right and it, it because you know we're both born in the 80s by the time we're 10 years old, it's like 90, 93, 91, whatever, right? And you're you're watching stuff that may or may not be reruns from the 80s, right? Because the 90s just passed the 80s, so you're influenced with those styles. And then as you grow older, then you have influences of the 90s. And then you age older to the point where you're past the collegiate educational years and you're getting into your career, for instance, in fashion. And you're pulling through nostalgia and mm-hmm. it, it both fashion and music is going to pull through like nostalgia is going to have a huge impact on your creations, whether it's music or art. Mm-hmm. Right. So at one point, you know, growing up, I don't know if your sister or mom or whatever they were, what are those called? Those really annoying tube socks. <laughs> I don't know. Like leg warmers. Oh, okay. Leg warmers, right? Yeah, that was from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The warm-up leg warmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leg warmers. Stupid-ass, like, scarf for your your, your legs. I, I hate it <laughs> with a passion. Scarf for your legs. Um, but Nobody made you wear them. <laughs> no, but I, I, it, it's just something that I never liked. I, it's not my thing. They but do look silly. It look. It, it reminds me of a like a Fraggle Rock looking Jim Henson Muppet yeah, Muppet outfit thing. Yeah, not a like that <laughs> I'm into. Yeah. But for a period of time, leg warmers are coming back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, w- within the past like five. No, I remember. Years, right. Yeah, I remember. Seeing and then um, there was word that I heard within the past like twelve months that someone was trying to bring Jinkos back. You remember Jinkos? I hated Jinkos. I had a pair of Jinkos, but I hated them. What were the what were the Jinkos? What the, was that? The, each leg of the jean was like the width of your torso. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the gigantic freaking like, grunge era yeah. where everybody's wearing these stupid ass like jeans where you could fit your entire body in one pant leg. I hate yeah. those. Those were coming back. And then if you look at music, which I'm more of a fan of, kick back to nostalgia, mm-hmm. Bruno Mars. You can clearly see the impact of Michael Jackson. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Big brass band in, in, in their music or like the weekend. Right. And you get these little snippets where they're pulling back from 
the music that their parents listened to as mm-hmm. they were growing up, and it becomes a nostalgic and um, cyclical element that repeats itself every so often throughout the generation. So it's it's repeated, but changed. Mm-hmm. You have s- certain basic elements, um, tempos, beats, right? For instance, uh, we were talking about K-pop earlier and, and how our friend uh, Carla is going to be incorporating a K-pop dance yeah, into a studio. class into her dance studio. But, you know, I, I was watching, what's his name? Um, J, J.Y. Park or something like that. Uh, he's a musician and producer. I think his label um, uh, is labeled for Twice, which is a huge K-pop artist okay. group, a girl group out in, in Korea. And he came up with a, a song called Don't Stop Me. Uh, Don't Stop Me, I think is, is what it's called. And then he also created his own song um, that he, he produced and, and sang and, and put out within the past like couple of years or something like that. But he was like, man, I'm really into the disco era right now. And disco has a very unique use of synthesizers, bells, a specific tempo, a beat, right? And he pulled inspiration from that and applied it to music to today. Yeah, it's modernized, but it's paying homage to history, mm-hmm. musical history, and I think that's really cool too. Yeah. So you're you're saying you know pulling from the fifties, the sixties, there's elements that are recycled depending on the genre, and, and they're pulling from that, and I, I think that's really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, if you hear um, even like the latest EDM and stuff like there's elements of big band and swing yeah in a lot of that like big big gigantic they do yeah. they do a lot of that swing saxophone big band, yeah, yeah horns um there's a whole bunch of introduction of that um yeah absolutely man i think i think you want i don't like this um conversation about and, and i don't want to get into the political stuff so much uh, when we're talking about music but when we're talking about like appropriating cultures and stuff it doesn't make sense to me because you're paying homage to that thing. You're saying that thing is awesome and I love it so much. Yeah. I want to incorporate that into what I do because it has inspired me. It has yeah. fed into who I am and my identity as a person. So when you're talking like Bruno Mars, he's very much like a, a Motown Michael Jackson. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I love his music. Yeah, absolutely. I love his stuff too. So um, when we see um, like... I don't think that um, without um, those original divas, if you think of like Aretha Franklin, um, um, Eartha Kitt, you have these like early days. I know they're they're totally different generations, but yeah, when you have these like early female divas, you're not going to have Christina Aguilera or Adele. They're not going to come. They're not going to have, you're not going to have them without that early uh, trendsetter. Yeah. But a lot of their stuff has those elements built into that and i think that's a good thing so music definitely evolves for sure um because if you listen to um led zeppelin david bowie uh um you've got these early early days dudes and they're playing their stuff where do you think like um stone temple pilots got their stuff where do you think like the in their their influences red hot chili peppers you're telling me that the peppers would exist without disco having come first like you got to have disco yeah. before the Red Hot Chili Peppers exist. And 
Um, so a lot of these styles uh, aug- are augmented from older stuff, which is great. Right. So it's not recycled so much. And you did say it. It's 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 it is recycled, but it's paying it's, homage. It's ups- it's, I think it's upcycling. Yeah, yeah. It's modernizing the traditional music stylings and tonalities and tempos to their current flavor and in their own interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the danger I feel, and I was mentioning this at lunch, I feel like the danger is that you get somebody that's got a really amazing sound Mm -hmm. and you make their sound so crisp and sharp and, um, sterilized and mastered that you don't capture the, the rawness of who they are. And um, I think you've got to capture that. So some people you've got to see live because their stereo or, uh, yeah, their album has nothing to do with actually who they are as an artist. You were describing to me earlier but the, the chopping up of the vocals and stuff. Yeah. Like it can't be perfect pitch all the time because in some songs you need them almost going off key in yeah. a way because you're capturing the... Harnessing the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're not harnessing that emotion... Uh, you're not going to be able to to capture the full feel of what that song was originally intended to be. And and to that, like I I get it. When you produce an album, you want it to be perfect. Sorry. You want it to be you know the best quality that it can possibly be. Yeah. Nothing's off beat. Nothing's off key. You know, nothing has the wrong word. Or whatever. Right. It has to have the just the right amount of growl. If that it's that type of song has to have just the perfect run whatever right yeah and they sample and, and chop it up and, and create a, an entire jigsaw puzzle out of two three hundred takes right right and i almost wish i knew of a sound engineer or a production company that works in that field or an artist right and understand their desire for that perfection and see how it plays into what you're saying about the interpretation and emotion of the song. Cause mm-hmm. depending on, you know, just angle that bottom part up towards you. Okay. Cause I kept oh. on hearing the P the staccato. Uh, just rotate it this way, Th- this part. Yeah. Angle okay. that up to you. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, the emotion and interpretation of the song at which point do like, would they even, would they even consider keeping the imperfection? Cause I saw some, something about death metal, right? Hmm. That's not my genre, dude. I listen to practically all music except for that death, death metal screamo type of stuff. Yeah. And I was wanting to understand why people enjoy it. Hmm. Right. Like, have you ever heard any of that stuff? Yeah. I had some friends in college that were, they were in a metal band. They started a metal band and they would play in like small bars and things like that. Okay. Metal's metal. Like Metallica's metal. Right. Uh, Metallica's metal. They can be metal. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't call them a metal band. I would call them like a hard rock. There is a, it's like a wine. You've got light rock. You've got jazz but rock, you've got rock, you got hard rock, metal. Death rock, screamo, death metal type of stuff. <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, death metal is different, though. The death metal is not Metallica. That's, those no, are no, 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 definitely no. different. But, but what I'm talking about is like the death metal stuff. Like some people love that. I, I saw some video of the, uh, yeah, a, a dude. Death metal, yeah. 
that he was whisper uh, that. yeah like <laughs> it was like one of those random walk-ups like hey what's your favorite type of uh, music and he's like well I, I can't even see say it because you know it's it's hardcore stuff it's like death metal <laughs> and he's like no what's it and it was like something i don't even remember it was like disturbed fetus or, or rotten fetus it was something crazy right and so i looked it up out of curiosity to see what kind of music this is i personally don't understand how people would enjoy this music and nothing against it it's just me personally i don't understand it and, and, and haven't been able to appreciate it and so yeah. i literally looked up why do people like death metal? Because hmm. I, I want to figure out what people find as appeal. And so there's a, a guy that was explaining the situation, right? So he's like, why do people like this kind of music? So if you think of pop music or rock or whatever, right? A lot of Adele, Christina Aguilera, even Metallica, right? Or, or Linkin Park. A big part of it is the lyrics and the presentation of the lyrics, the singing and expression of that. And then the background instruments and everything else that goes into support it is kind of the background. But what he was describing is on death metal, it's just like the exact opposite. So it's pure emotion, but some of the riffs that are in some of the death metal, like the guitars and, and drums, it's it's actually pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and once he pointed that out, I was like, oh, it kind of makes makes sense. And the death screaming, the growling kind of stuff, which I couldn't understand to save my life. Right. I actually looked up some lyrics. I was like, oh, that's that's what he's saying. That becomes a secondary. Right. So the focus is on the instruments. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was one interpretation and that helped me understand somewhat perhaps why people would find the appeal in that. But... Yeah, I I think it's it just uh, you have something in you that needs to be expressed. Yeah. And why are you going to listen to Muddy Waters or Stevie Ray Vaughan? Yeah. You get there's something in you and you just need to kind of groove. You need to vibe yeah. into something, you know? You just yeah. need like you need that that in you right yeah. you need to express whatever that is and you need to feel that vibe and then sometimes you just need um sometimes you need magic carpet ride by steppenwolf and sometimes you need uh paul revere's ride by the beastie boys sometimes no you i need, get it because like yeah. growing up lincoln park that super emotional type of stuff that oh, yeah. got me through some dark shit right yeah and so i connect with that and there's a lot of that kind of guttural scream that chester does and i get that but i also relate to the lyrics <laughs> wait your dog huh your dog chester no chester bennington oh <laughs> lead singer of, of oh is that Lincoln what Park. you named chester after it, it so happened again sorry of, i didn't mean to get take, you off taking track, it in a yeah. dark dark place uh uh lincoln park was very cathartic for me growing up yeah and everything and it was that summer that Chester actually committed suicide. So I was, I was pretty distraught after that. Mm. And it, it was a dark time. But um, at the same time, we had adopted this dog, Chester. And he came with that name. Oh, interesting. And I was like, that's good timing because Chester has been like amazing for me as well, emotionally, psychologically, and everything. Yeah. The dog. As well as the singer from Lincoln Park. Right. So I was like, oh, it, it's kind of... It, it works out. I mean, Anna, she she came with 
the name Diana, Princess of blah, 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 blah. Whatever. <laughs> what was Wonder yeah. Woman's official title? Diana, she's, Princess of Diphtheria or... Diphtheria. What is diphtheria? That's a disease. <laughs> That's a disease. That's something like that, right? She's the princess. <laughs> She's the princess of AIDS. Or a queen of whatever it is. The queen of the plague. <laughs> it was whatever Wonder Woman was. Yeah. And 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 I guess the breeder's uh, daughter named her that. And I was like, I do not like the name Diana as a dog, and that's not going to stick. But right. she's five years old. I, maybe she's accustomed to that name. She wasn't. She didn't know her name from her ass. Um, she probably knew her ass more than her name. And so I was like, Anna, that's close enough to Diana, so it wouldn't confuse her. But yeah, I should have changed the name. But Chester, that that was kind of like a godsend. But that's pretty cool man I didn't know that story that yeah. he already had the name Chester yeah, yeah. that yeah. it's like right around the same time yeah. of Chester from Lincoln Park yeah. dying um, that you got a dog named Chester yeah yeah it's pretty cool do you feel like um, the music of Lincoln Park because there is a lot of emotional um, uh, things going on in their music it's quite angsty yeah yeah definitely and and um it's interesting you say that. So do you feel like maybe the music causes some of that angst or is it something like you already had that going on and you were drawn to the music because it represented musically what you were feeling emotionally? The latter. So okay. absolutely. I, I mean, you relate to things that you go through in your life, right? And whether that's music that helps you out through it because, you know, as a teenager, you're depressed for whatever reason and, you're just like, oh, okay, you know, m- music throughout the ages. I, I mean, I can't imagine those posh, you know, 1600s, hey, Beethoven, you know, whatever the, the case may be. That was the 1600s, was it? What, whenever it was. Yeah, like Beethoven, that was like the 1700s, right? Was it? Yeah, like I think the 1700s. But like, I don't know. Connecting emotionally then? I, I don't know about that. Well, Beethoven is super, that's, Beethoven is like, the classical music version of emo music. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> totally. okay. Yeah. For the for its time, <laughs> yeah. if you want to rock That was like out. the super emo dark, you know, I'm expressing yeah. my darkness and yeah. despair through that. And he, he was, he was in some dark times for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I, it is expressed through music. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I connected through it not only because it was amazing music and, and Chester, I, I think Lincoln Park was revolutionary in the com- combination of hard rock with some EDM in there because you know DJ Hunt, and then rap. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a an amalgamation of different genres. So it was revolutionary in that 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 basis, but also it helped me and, and the words you know really kind of resonated uh, w- with some of the stuff that I was going through at that point. And, still go through now so it's 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 cool how music can can help you escape or deal with certain emotions or thoughts or whatever the case may be so yeah i feel like um it can do i think it can do both i think like if you're going through something yeah and you hear of of music an artist or just a genre in general and you're like that's what i need right now yeah and because it it's not only do I identify with it, like the lyrics or what it is that they're saying in the yeah. music and all that, not only do I identify with it, um, but it's kind of helping soothe. Yeah. It's almost like, um, 
man, the cerebral version of someone just kind of rubbing your back and like, it's yeah. okay, man. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm going through this too. This is how I feel. And you're like, I feel that way too, man. Thanks. And it's like, it's like you're getting that, um, that comfort from that artist Absolutely. about that same thing. But I feel like also it can't, it can't, it, there's gotta be an evolution too. Like if you're going to be able to advance and move on from that bad time, then maybe musically it has to change too. Um, and I, and I'm kind of meshing this out here, so so bear with me. But I feel like if this is the thing that initially, if I'm going through this time, um, listening to a lot of blues or something, right, and I'm just kind of feeling sad, or if I'm just uh, using some kind of music to um, help me cope with feeling sad about something, then um, it helped me in that time. But now that I'm moving, or that I want to move on past the sadness, I've got to not only um, move on in my life, like do things that are good for me, like get good sleep, nutrition, fitness, go on new adventures, go on, go do something, right? Be out with friends, be with family, like yeah. do things to kind of get me out of the funk. Um, the music, I think, should progress too to represent this new thing that you're trying to do. Maybe you're not even there yet, but maybe get in the music that's going to help you kind of like be happy. And so... You're not necessarily forcing yourself to listen to corny, happy goofball shit, but I'm just saying, like, you're listening to something that's kind of a little more um, uplifting, I guess. Yeah, for sure, and it, it it really depends on what music is to you, right? Mm. Some people listen to music just for the sake of listening to music, and it, it's fun or whatever. Like Sam, for whatever reason, loves country, and for me, country is a nostalgic thing. When I was out in Pittsburgh going to college, you know, I listened to a lot of country, newer, newer, not not the old twangy twang stuff, <laughs> but like Luke Bryan or you know, um, Rascal Flatts, that kind of stuff from Tim McGraw. Okay, um, Antebellum, right? The, the new age country, modern country, and so she likes it, but I, she doesn't listen to it for you know anything else than for what it is it just just music to listen to certain people like myself music is a lot more tied into my emotions and my mood and, and dealing with certain aspects of life whether happy sad depressed wh whatever the case, case may be excited um i listen to and part of the reason why i listen to a lot of different type of music is is because it reflects potentially my current mental state and, and my emotions yeah, um, there. Yeah. yeah there you go and so you know edm you've got a lot of different types of edm as well sure um but i also listen to classical guitar and, and it, it's a different flavor michael buble frank sinatra mm -hmm. michael jackson right versus lincoln park right red hot chili peppers it's a different itch Mm -hmm. And you're scratching different itches, and um, I agree. If music plays that role in your life, then you're gonna have different types of genres that cater towards your current state. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's good to to express your emotions and and kind of work through that out. And then other times, it's good to um, you know, be jubilant and, and express that part of your, your life out. And, 
you know, vibe out and to, to some sick, big gigantic or Cruella or whatever it is. Right. So for me, like even, um, back when, uh, on my religious journey, uh, grew up in a family that's both Buddhist and Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. Mom's Buddhist, that side of the family, um, is all Buddhist. Then my dad's side was Catholic. But growing up, so it's kind of like a house divided, right? Catholic, super Catholic. Go to church every Sunday. Buddhists have all, everything is a God. There's a God of water. There's a God of, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So you're, you're always, you know, praying to them and, and sending incense, um, praying to the gods. And my mom has this little altar for, for different items. And um, I was kind of like a... a religiously confused growing up and then at one point completely denounced and almost resented Christianity because of what was going on in my life at that point and then uh, when I reconnected with Christianity it was because my buddy Mike Mm -hmm. brought me to um, Watermark a church and because music was so influential in my life Mm. uh, praise and worship there is through music yeah, which is very different because growing up, eighth grade to, through through high school, you know, senior year, I went to an Episcopalian church where you're singing the most. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Let me put that. Nothing wrong with it, but it's very mundane and, and in my mind, boring hymnal music. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear the joy in people's voices when they sing that, and you're you're allegedly connecting and singing to to God to praise Him and everything like that, right? And you would have long scriptures. But at this non-denominational Christian church, um, praises through song. Mm-hmm. And you could hear the jubilance or despair or sorrow that, that people are connecting. And initially, it, it kind of weirded me out because you'd see people, you know, with their hands up. As, as they sing, eyes closed, just immerse, immerse, immersing themselves in the music in a way that I would normally do in, like, say, EDM concert, right? Yeah. yeah you, you see the, the feeling. EDM shows a lot. Yeah. Yeah, same behavior. But then at the same time, next to them, you might have someone that's bawling their eyes out as they're dealing with whatever they're dealing with and singing to the same song. Hmm. So that really connected with me, and obviously music plays a, a, a big role in my life, and how I work through my journey. Yeah. So that, that was, I never thought about that until just now really. Yeah. Well, there's definitely, um, a movement. Um, I would say certainly in our lifetime, maybe a little bit before maybe the seventies or something, but, um, where, uh, religious groups predominantly like Christianity, but like religious religions in general have done, um, a big effort to make the activity of their, the expression of um, participating in their religion is like a lot through music, a lot through song because there's power in music. There is. I mean, you recognize if you're at an EDM show and like the DJ cuts the, the thing (laughs) and everyone's just singing acapella to the whole thing. Like, Dude, the energy in that room, it's just like, ah, uh, like chills down your back and you just goosebumps. You're like, oh my God. For like, sure. it's just like the power in that room yeah. of one unified expressed voice yep. uh, singing the same thing. Um, um, what's that song? Um, 
All I need. Oh yeah, yeah. That, is I, your I saw love that video. tonight. <clears throat> like when uh, yeah. I don't who you know what artist does that by no, the way. No, okay, so like that, I'm like, dude, that, that would be. I sweet. mean, I experienced that e- even uh, what my first experience with that outside of you know church and whatnot, singing the same song was a Metallica concert because mm. all fans of Metallica pretty much you know the songs. Oh, dude, everyone kind of so memorized. Yeah. And when you go to a concert. They literally, it's like a, a 10,000 person choir. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so you, that's what I'm that saying, energy. the power of the room. And yeah. so you get that into a, um, uh, a religion thing. And I won't comment on, yeah, on religion in general. Yeah. yeah, I won't get into the whole religion stuff. But what I will say is like, it's it's the same thing. You got a you yeah. got a big group of people that are all singing the same stuff, and there's like a, a shared experience there. There's yeah. a there's an energy, there's a power that's yeah. being transferred, and I don't think that's germane to just religious experiences. Yeah. I think that I would even argue that the mass crowd singing the same thing is uh, could be said that it, it is a religious experience in itself, yeah. regardless sure. of what the song or the yeah. cause is or whatever. I think that it's just some you're you're sharing something that you don't normally get to share. Normally it's just you and your wife in the house with the dogs or normally it's me at the office or normally it's y- and you just talk one on one or you just got a few people or uh, we go to a party and there's 20 30 people, 40 people there or something like that, but they're not all singing the same thing. No, 100%. But then you get 10,000 people yeah. singing the same thing and you're like, "Oh, like something happens, man. It's like there's and a there's a magical power there. It doesn't necessarily have to be singing either because throwing back to the my experience at the Tony Robbins Power From Within um, seminar and events, uh, one of the first things he has you do is kind of strip away your um, self-consciousness, right? Hmm. So everybody is self-conscious in, in public settings for the most part, right? If someone's judging me for doing something, behaving, singing, dancing, whatever, right? And... To be able to go into, like, at first, when we first walk in, they're playing music, and he's like, dancing and everything, just go crazy. And everyone's kind of, like, looking at each other. It's like, uh, are you dancing? Okay, let me, let me kind of shake my arms or whatever. And then within, like, a couple hours, everybody's just, like, going balls to the walls. And it's the ener- the uniformed energy of the entire crowd that enables you to fully express yourself. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Whether that's through dance in that scenario, or through music in in a different scenario, it's it's that going back to like the secret, right? It's channeling and expressing that energy mm. and receiving the same input. So that that's yeah a special thing. Well, that's always been the thing, right? Uh, humans need shared experiences. You're you're experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing, yeah. and we're we're doing it together. We're sharing the same energy and the sh- same vibe. Yeah. It's like um, it's just a magnification. It's like there's a magnifying glass put over yeah. everyone in that crowd. And you're right. I, I I am interested in the Tony Robbins thing and the aspect that everyone's experiencing that without singing necessarily. Yeah. Um, but people, a, a group of people experience that over a shared meal. Um, there's yeah. a shared energy there, like. We're sharing the same food. Absolutely. And, and it's even more amplified if it's like we've we've all worked for this food. We all cut the food together. We all prepped it. We all put it, baked it or whatever we did. If we all worked on that same meal together, there's an even greater sharing 
of that. And I think there's um, um, an amplification of shared love, shared happiness, shared yeah. joy experiences when family, friends, you get together. And for that meal, it's not as m- powerful as that 10,000 person group singing the same song but, it's the energy. but you do several dinners yeah. over the course of years and years and uh, you do several shared journeys shared experiences yeah. shared hardships yeah. shared things and over that course of time that's why i love the the microwave oven of being in the like military being in dangerous rough situations it's a microwave oven because it's like that normally relationships like that take it's like baked it's baked in an yeah i'm sorry for the bad analogy but it's like big like normal relationships are baked in an oven over a long period of time um but man you go into like um difficult hardship situations so combat is one that comes to mind but it's like or we've been rock climbing together and so that's another thing it's like you share some kind of challenge in an adversity it could be anything though it could be challenge adversity it could be a new experience because mm. uh, what you were saying about sharing food, I was watching this um, show on YouTube. It's a great group called The Korean Englishman. And he brought a, a group of British kids for the first time. They had just graduated from high school, I believe, to Korea. Mm-hmm. Never been to Korea. They, they had Korean food, uh, you know, in the shows that, where they introduce it to them locally in, in, in London or UK, wherever they're at. Yeah. But, you know, experiencing it, sharing the food locally in that culture, there are instances where like, as soon as they take a bite, they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's life changing in their mind. Mm. And there's this one guy that I, I could always see that he's realizing the moment. And he like looks over every time it's this one kid. He like looks over. He's like, yes, let's see how you're enjoying it too. And it's a shared moment. Mm. So, Hundred percent, I I agree with the the shared meals and and whatnot. It's an experience. Uh, it's an energy that is shared, um, and it's a bonding experience. Yeah, yeah. That you're right. And while you were saying that, I was trying to think like, okay, is it just in my mind? Those experiences have to have to be through hardship. Um, but no, it's like, yeah, you're sharing the dinners, you're sharing the meals, you're sharing something good. Um, what I meant though, is I think that going through something difficult together creates a faster bond, Yeah, but not necessarily longer lasting. Absolutely. No, no. I I get that on a small spectrum. That's nothing like the military. I mean, combat, obviously going through boot camp, Mm -hmm. uh, those hardships, Navy SEAL going through buds, you get that camaraderie by overcoming a, a challenge. If you're in a fraternity or sorority, depending on your fraternity or sorority, going through the pledging process, what you know, plus or minus, uh, <laughs> depending on, on, on the, the organization. But yeah, um, it could be a an extraordinarily challenging in, in that circumstance um, process, and that binds you together because you're able to say, hey, yeah, it sucked while we're going through it, but we got through it together. And yeah. so that kind of is the super glue that helps to bond you to people in a more uh, expedited manner mm-hmm. than you would if you were to just organically 
get to know someone and build a relationship without that right fuel to that fire yeah yeah i think you've got to i think you've got to have a mix of it right like all the stuff you and i have um shared yeah over the years like we're like we're friends for life man yeah. like i i believe that i feel that and it was it was a number of things right yeah. it wasn't just any one thing started and so with an egg it started with an egg man <laughs> so it did and uh but it's but uh, i mean if there's not a good friendship doesn't require some kind of hardship. What I mean, though, is like if there is a hardship, yeah. then especially if it's a person you haven't known that long, or you don't know that well, but then you go through a hardship together, yeah. there's a faster bond created. Sure. But there still needs to be ongoing tending to that garden. Like you still have to continue to have new experiences with that person because if all you have is that one hardship – uh, ultimately I think there won't be as strong of a bond, but if you continue to make new memories after that hardship, now you're solidifying that thing into something concrete. But yeah, that's how, I mean, that's how families stay together. Despite all the bullshit that families have to go through together is that amidst the, the, the problems that a family can have together, there's the ongoing process of shared meals. And so, um, you hear about families that will have, uh, like a mandatory Sunday dinner. Like no matter yeah, what happens, yeah. we're all coming together on Sunday and we're having dinner. There's yeah. a reason for that. Yeah. It's like, you know, yes, we've had problems or whatever, but we all come to dinner on Sunday and yeah. we have our thing or something. So yeah. I think regularity like that creates stuff. Like we went to lunch today. We yeah. did a thing last week, whatever. Like it just, you continue to do things together. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the, that's the comparison I was making is like, you've got the, Real mega hardship thing that creates the fast bond, but the ongoing dripping of little bits and pieces of experiences together that creates, I think, a, a, f a firm cemented bond that's not going to, you know, be easily broken. Yeah, no, that that that's uh, I think that's the case with any relationship, whether a significant other or friend or family, right? So yeah, um, there are instances where. You can, like you said, you can um, have a situation where you become super close to someone really, really quick. Yeah. And if you don't keep the communications or shared experiences, whatever, in whatever modality that you're able to, then, I mean, clearly you're going to drift apart. But at the same time, I, especially if there's a, a distance, mm -hmm. physical distance element to that. But at the same time, I feel like those types of relationships that you build, they have the potential, like once you get back together, it's like no time's passed whatsoever. You're picking up just like you were chummy yesterday, right? Even though it's been one, two, 10 years, you're able to pick up with them, you know, that quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, granted, you're you're not going to, you know, ex your ex experience in, in, in combat and whatnot, you, you clearly develop good relationships with those folks but uh, and i'm sure you know there's a, a physical distance of people living in different countries different states cities whatever the case may be um but i feel like if in those circumstances if if you're a meet them up on a random plan trip or whatever you, you just pick it up like it was yesterday and yeah still have that connection yeah i think so i think um I'm trying to think, like, while you were talking about that, I was thinking about one of my old roommates that I had when I lived in the uh, 
the apartment in near Addison. Um, like, yeah, him and I don't really talk much anymore, but I know if we met up, like, yeah, yeah. it'd be, it'd be just like a fun time. Yeah. Um, very cool dude. But yeah, just, um, you know, you lose touch, people move to different states and things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but there's, there, you know, I have friends that like, um, like Dave, I've stayed in touch with even despite him having moved to Colorado True. a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. And we still stay in touch. I go see him once a year in the yeah. in the cabin and stuff. And yeah. Dave, you still have to come down to Texas because I'm all. It's a one way <laughs> thing here, while, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta. <laughs> now nah, he likes staying up in the mountains, man. He doesn't yeah. want to come down Not here. Me, Dave. There's nothing going on down I here. I get it. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, it, it's interesting. Like one, one relationship is still going to be good if we see each other again yeah. but the other one we still remain stay in touch and yeah it's not not comparing one person is better than the other but i think with dave like we've been we've been on a lot more like out there on the rock we've been on a lot more like tough yeah. uh, outdoor situations yeah. and i think again there's a there's a there's a bond created through that adversity and yeah. i think that um I don't think it's the same as if you share a meal with somebody. Sharing the meal is still vital to the relationship, but going through some kind of hardship together hardens hardens things and makes it makes it more firm. Well, I think like hardship in 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 general it's exposing some sort of vulnerability whether that's an emotional, psychological or physical, right? And when you're sharing each other's vulnerabilities and overcoming an obstacle that should naturally create a firmer bond, right? Hmm. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I'm wiped, dude. I think we're, uh, yeah, it's almost 11 o'clock. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the, the timing thing over there, but I think we've been going for, uh, for a while now. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay. This was fun. Yeah, it's fun. I want to do it again. Pew pew, motherfuckers. Pew pew, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good to have, good to have you.